All right, welcome to another episode of The Catholic Couple Having Fun with Faith, Family, and Friends. I'm your co-host, Bobby Fredrickson, and with me, as always, is my beautiful wife, Katie Fredrickson. I'm the convert Catholic, and she's the... Cradle Catholic. And here we are on a new episode on a Friday night. We have no kids, and here we are in the basement giving you our time. This is what we do for this fun. This is what we do for fun. So we're in the basement. Uh, I'm having a glass of wine. Kate's yeah, having a glass a of wine. Bit. So today we have no friends on our show. So the oh, faith, I didn't so understand fun with faith, that. Family, today we friends. have no friends. So now, so now oh, it's you just mean it's just me and you. That's just what fun that and faith oh, today. Okay. Just fun and faith. Fun and faith. Well, we are friends. We're friends, and yeah, but no guests. I mean, yes, we do have a guest slated, but we did have a kind of a, a slight uh, illness in the household, so we didn't want to. Uh, Our youngest had tummy problems. Yeah, we didn't little, want to bring anybody into that. It was no COVID. Yeah, no COVID. We were we all got te- tested. We were all tested. <laughs> Good thing we did that. It was all tested. So, so going forward, our episode this week is on discipleship. discipleship. Yeah, you got me mid little sip of my wine there. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, and discipleship is one of those, what's that word where something's overused? Like, um, you know, that, that always happens in education too. There's like these buzzwords, right? And we just throw them out there and we're assuming people know what it means, right? Or it's overused or sometimes it could be mistaken for something else. And so I think that it's a really good uh, a word to unpack because it's actually what we're literally called to do, so... I'm glad we're doing this episode to no, unpack I, that. Word I, and I agree means. 100%. I know for me, as the convert Catholic, every time I hear disciple, when I, when I first became Catholic, I just thought only of the disciples in the Bible, the you know the twelve so disciples like 12. and Jesus's followers mm-hmm. in the twelve, and you know the others that began you know following him. And mm-hmm. I couldn't so you be a just disciple. Took it as twelve or twelve years ago. <laughs> 2,000 years ago, over yeah, 2,000 ba- years ago. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And I think, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of other people who are sitting in the pews or away from the church and they hear disciple, they may think, you know, the same thing. It's like, well, you know, and, I, and for me, I guess it's a two-edged sword. It's like, okay, am I a disciple? Because I want to be kind of humble. You know, you don't want to be prideful. Like, I'm a disciple. You know, it's like, it's like <laughs> oh, a... Oh, I it, didn't even it, think of that. It's See, like I- a two-edged sword because I always feel conflicted. I'm like... I'm like, yeah, I'm working, you know, we're called to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. So having that balance of fear of God, like, okay, I'm trying my best to be a follower of Jesus, but am I there yet? You know, it's like, I, it's hard. Mm. I feel, I feel conflicted to trying to even call myself, even though I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do all the things that we're going to talk about, about what some marks or some signs of what a disciple actually looks like in practical Aspect. I think that's kind of what we're going to try to break down. Like, hey, what does this look like in real life? Right. What is somebody who's a disciple? What are the things that they do? How do they talk? How do they act? How do they live their lives? And how can we do that? And how can we go deeper into that relationship with Jesus? Yeah, I think it's really important to define terms. Yeah, definitely. Because that's what it's all about, how you understand it. How do you know if you are one, if you're even sure what it means? So like when, when he says at the end, you know, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Matthew you get stop. You get stop there, and be like, "Well, yeah, I'm baptized and go to church. I'm a disciple. Is that what that means?" But then it says, "Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you." Ooh, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. What does and that it, mean? And how do I do that? Part, oh, the so fir- like the, fir- the first part, go make. Right. Go make, like so. You could take so, that in so many different ways, but that's what he says to the apostles. He says, "Go make disciples." And we're two thousand years removed from that, but we're a church. We're part of the church, right? We're baptized. We're into it. So it's just that. 
well, that I, breakdown of, of well, what Well, I it think means. W- the first time I heard someone explain, I, when we went to the Amazing Parish Conference, what, like, what, was this, nine years ago already or something like that? Is it really? Eight or nine years ago, at least. So it was in Denver. It was this Amer- Amazing uh, Parish Conference, and that was, like, one of the... F- that was one of the first things that they did was break was break down that Matthew twenty eight, mm-hmm. and they asked us what was what's the most important part of that? Go therefore, make disciples, baptizing, teaching. So what's what's the most important part? I'm like baptizing, obviously, because baptizing is you know hey the original sin uh, you know original sin's gone. You are now uh, son and daughter, son and daughter, all these, all these things about you know of that and. And then they start to shine the light on about how important making disciples is most important. Because if you don't make disciples, then the people fall away from the faith. So you can be baptized and then live your whole life in sin. Then what is what is that really Raise your matter? Hand, raise your hand out there if you know someone who's baptized who doesn't practice anything. Yeah, or just I'm doesn't like, believe. Just, or, or, or has been, yeah. yeah. So, right. I mean, it's it's kind of step one, but step one to what? Um so, so I, yeah, that was a, that was an awesome experience because that really opened up our eyes, and then the conference went based, everything was based on that that one line. It's the Great Commission, so mm-hmm. we know the Great Commandment: love the Lord your God and love God's people. But then there's also the Great Commission, not the Great Suggestion, <laughs> not the Great you should maybe or yeah. like it's a commission. Which Bunch. when you break down commission. Co-mission, like Ooh. you are on mission with Jesus. Co means with, oh. on mission. So that is, I like that. You know, in the mass, we know that you know it's Latin. Co-communion. Yeah, ma- <laughs> well, ma- well, mass is about being sent. Mass yeah. means sent. So it literally means we're sent. sent, and then we come back and bring. Mass others is supposed to be our fuel up, so that we could go out and be sent and make disciples. Another, um, another conference that I got. Um, more clarity on discipleship was when I went to my first focus conference and they kept using words uh, because it was, it was an SLS. So it was more of a leadership conference, not just like a, anybody can go one anyway. So they talked more about discipling. I'm like, discipling, what does that mean? Like discipling another person. Is that a new event at the Olympics? I I was like, discipling. I've never heard that word. What is discipling? And it's like, well, let's just define disciple in general. What what is it? What is a disciple? And go back to the time of Jesus. What was a disciple? What did that mean? So how I understand it is if you were a disciple of someone, it doesn't have it. This is, but this was before Jesus's time, right? It was, you just took on their practices. So I understand like, um, the word discipline is in disciple, right? So you're taking on that, you're following that person and doing what they do. You're taking on their practices. So like if you want to, if, 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 if you know um, a really good baseball player and you are playing, you are a baseball player too, you, you, co- you know, you follow underneath them and take on their, you know, their diet, their exercise routine, their, you know, how they get better at, whatever they're working on, right? Like, so that's how I understood no, that's, that to that's be in the exact, Old, old exact, Testament, the old, yeah, it, well, that you would follow that rabbi, right, that leader, and you would teacher. take on their discipline, take on their practices, and try to emulate them and live the life Live live life like them because you want to you want to be you an know taking imitator. An, an imitator of, yeah, you of want to their imitate what they're doing practices and I think a lot of t- a lot of times that we overthink things it's like we try to reinvent 
like how to be a disciple. Like, no, there's the things that we're going to talk about. These are things that have been going since the beginning of the church. So we <laughs> well, don't it need might to, be it might be repackaged. Yeah, a, repackaged a disciple the, in the 21st century is going to look different than the disciple of the 15th century. So yes and no, because you still need to you could take on his disciplines, you could take on practices, but they might mean something different in the 21st century yeah, of could, how they, you do they it. could. But the the, the basics, yeah, the basics, the are, fundamentals are, the haven't fundament- changed. Same thing with yeah, fun. With fundamentals. Oh, you like what I did there. I like so, that. so disciple. Uh, I, I think it was Jeff Cavins who said too. Like when you think of disciple, that they follow so closely that they would get the dust on them. That's how close they were. When they taught, they were hanging on every word. They were trying, and and and, and you know, before Jesus's time, like they, like if you were gonna f- follow like a great rabbi, like you know, Gamaliel or mm-hmm. uh, or these really great teachers, they would like you had to like be picked it was like a an honor to be like hey you had you show promise you've already memorized the first five books of torah and you're 10 years old or you're 12 and then you give up everything and you're following these people so i thought it was the opposite i thought people picked their just and that's why jesus was different because he picked his no well the whole thing was was that there was just just like anything there's hierarchies there's someone who's like the 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 best of the best Mm -hmm. rabbis weren't he wasn't just who, if someone just wanted to, and they, you know, they would pick the the better students. They would pick oh. people who already were already, you know, they didn't have computers. You mean you know? they had to be worthy, kind of thing? They, okay, exactly. Cool. So, so disciple. I think you hit on a good part, which was the the discipline word in it. So disciplines mean that you you know you, you practice different things. That you are disciplined by conditioning your will, conditioning your intellect, and you know studying and reading and doing all these different things. So. All right, well, let's get into the... So you have, um, we're going to look at this was 9, a, yeah. 10, 11, 11 different, uh, 11, different, 11 different marks of discipleship. Yeah, and we're th- going to break down This was a talk that one. I gave a couple years ago, actually. It's a good uh, talk. I was there. Yeah, she was there. She's like, I was paying attention. But I'm like, were you actually paying attention? I had to look at the presentation again to remember, but I mean, it was a few years ago. It's all yeah, right. It's a couple but years no, ago. No, it's right. I but mean, all we're of these definitely going to are... add. We're going to mm-hmm. definitely add into it, and it, it just goes. And the great thing about uh, our our parish is that at the end of every mass, they remind everybody that this is what we are supposed to do: to be disciples, make disciples. So it's impossible for us to go therefore and make disciples if we ourselves are not disciples. Deci- right, only right. Disciples. It has to start. You can't do the other half without the yeah. first half. Yeah, you, right. You, you're not gonna you're not gonna convert other people and say you should you should follow Jesus and do these things. But you know you're not going to mass on Sundays and you're not doing the, all these things that we're going to talk about. These or you marks. do and you're not live and you don't live any differently than yeah. You look okay. like you look like everybody else in the in world. The world, right? Yeah, so. so the first mark of discipleship is to be called. Um, I guess my question with that is, um, are all called? Like on your cell phone? You can call me on your cell phone. No, that was dumb. No, what do you mean, are all (laughs) called? Yeah. Well, that's, that's that's Revelation 3.20. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anybody who... Open the, you have to open the door. He's yeah. there knocking. Right. We when Jesus in the time when Jesus came and all throughout John's gospel, he talks a lot about uh, those who recognized me had the light, and those who didn't were in the darkness because they weren't ready. 
They mm. they were their hearts were hardened. They were practicing. They were in sin. They just weren't open to it. You know, everybody is called. Everyone is called, but you have but to you still, still have, free, have free, free, will, free will. And people Got make it. bad decisions, and the, the more bad decisions you make, the farther, the farther away, away and harder it is. Not that Jesus can't break through, even the the most mm-hmm. you know diehard sinners. Yeah, you know, that's how miracles happen. That's what happened for me. I mean, uh, I wasn't were like you a, a diehard sinner. <laughs> I was. I was. I was <laughs> a, a diehard sinner. I like that. Well, I was a, <laughs> I was a first-rate hedonist. Let's just put it that okay. way. Okay, that that's a that was a podcast already, right? Yeah, go back and listen to my conversion yeah. story. <laughs> All right, so called. Um, you have it was not you who chose me, but I who chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit that will remain, so that whatever you ask my Father in my name, He may be given you. That's John fifteen sixteen, and then Revelation three twenty. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, so. All are called. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door. So we, again, it's free will. It's being open to the calling in the first place. And we'll enter his house and dine with him and he with me. And, and and dining was a sense of intimacy, especially in, in Jesus' time, and it still is. It still I mean, you invite yeah, somebody from over for, for dinner, for that's dinner. a big deal to yeah, have to sit down and eat a meal with someone. So, I think we've gotten away with uh, this this uh, uh, you know, iPhone culture of, you know, during most meals, people are looking at their phones, but in our house, it's absolutely not allowed. Mm-hmm. And, and we every day have a meal together. We sit down and we find out about each other, what's going on. But especially in, in Jesus's time, when you invited someone for table fellowship, it was it was a big deal. It was an event and it it's lasted an hours. Thing, right? yeah, it was an intimate right. thing. It was an intimacy. So, but I, what I like on the Revelation 320 reminds me of that famous painting. I want to say I it's know. in England where Jesus, Jesus is uh, is knocking at the door and mm-hmm. you see Jesus, but there's no door handle. No door handle, and someone thought the, that the that the artist, artist left it n- off. Left it off, but the door handle. It's like is no, we gotta open it from the inside. Exactly. And that's the same line with hell. It's like, well, hell is you know, you, we God doesn't put people in hell, and people do that to themselves. They they lock that door to God, letting them into their lives. They're the ones who refuse that. So it's like, cutting themselves off. Yes, hundred percent. So the second mark is to the response, and you have here. Trust. Response to the call. Response. So, responding so answering, to the call. Opening up that door. Well, the first is that you are called in the first place, and that's for everybody. So that's what it's saying. Like, discipleship is for all, but the first is to acknowledge it's for everyone, and we are all called. But the already step two is an action we have to take to respond to, respond to, to the call. Yeah, and, and obviously, if you're not baptized, getting baptized, that would be, you know, the. <clears throat> the first step on the journey, but how I broke it down in the, in the talk was that, you know, for a lot of people, especially for me, you know, you know, that's why in our show we have Kate's perspective. She was born and raised Catholic. So that's all she knows. Like me, I'm an outsider. So I'm, I'm like torn. I'm like an insider outsider. It's like, I see the church from an outside, but I'm involved, you know, Uh it's just, I was on the leadership teams and all this stuff at our old parish and, you know, I was really involved. So, but I, I came with a unique perspective because I saw it, the church as an outsider mm-hmm. because it was never open to so me. So you I never thought, saw yourself I, as I, called, correct? Well, I, I just thought, it, I thought you had to be born into it. That's how it was when I grew mm-hmm. up because nobody ever talked about like, hey, you can become a Catholic. But I had no idea dying, that that was a But pro- that is actually true of Catholicism, I think, in certain areas, that there is that cultural Catholicism where you are just born into it. And a lot of people still practice that, which is, oh, my, I just had a baby. 
I'm going to get my baby baptized. I don't know why I'm doing it. It's just because that's what my parents did and my grandparents did for my parents. It's that cultural Catholicism thing. Oh, they're, my kid's in third grade. Got to get that Holy Communion. Like, but not really understanding what it is that you're doing, just kind of going through those motions in an empty way. So, in, again, you're looking at it from the outside, not it, thinking you were called yeah, because and, you, you and were exposed obviously those more things to are, cultural are Catholicism. And you hope that the grace from the sacraments always are working, but obviously right. we have to cooperate with, with the grace. It's like, okay, I understand that you know this is what your mom and dad did, but I, I like the line that, uh, and this is what we're going to talk about the next part, is that Jesus doesn't have grandchildren. God doesn't have grandchildren. God, God the Father. God yeah, does, the Father doesn't have Yeah, doesn't have but grandchildren. I know what you mean. Yeah. Is that, that, and that's Just because your grandma issue. goes to church every every day yeah. doesn't mean and, that you're... And if, that and if there, nothing. And if that's for her grandma's, mm-hmm. you know, kids aren't Catholic, then their kids aren't. It's just that's how it has to work. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you see how important it is to get your kids baptized in First Communion, then you should know that if... You're not going to go to church even on Sunday. So what's the point? What was the point again? It's, but it's but it's more um, cultural. It's more seen as a family one of those tradition. called uh, family traditions or rites of passage, yeah. and not actual discipleship and living out the faith. And I think a lot of it too. I mean, I mean, the church is definitely culpable as far as just being in the the marketplace of getting people their sacraments instead of you know holding people accountable to holding them to a higher standard. That was one of the number one things that, that drew us to our new parish is that they're like, okay, well, you know, if you sign up, you're going to have to do this and this. We're like, yeah, we're looking for a place. Like We're looking for you to ask us to participate we're, and we're, want we're, to we're looking do for, <laughs> we're, We were looking for a parish that took things seriously. Mm-hmm. And so when we signed at first, our daughter up for RE before our kids went to school there right away, they're like, there's a covenant that you have to sign mm-hmm. for your kids, which says that you're going to go to church and you, not just a contract, not and just sign something, that you're making an acknowledgement mm-hmm. to God that you're promising that you are going to come to church and you are going to hold, uphold your, your deal. We're going to educate your kids in the faith, well, but you're going to Well, it was an acknowledgement that you are the primary educator of your child and that as the primary, especially in the faith, and as a primary educator of your child in the faith, how do you, how you can't expect uh, you know the religious education or the school to to educate your child if you're not holding up your end. So exactly. Yeah, and, and we talked on a, on a previous podcast about the importance and the role of mom and dad going to church, but especially the dad. Yeah. And a lot of times, I know it's hard, and there's things going on. That's the way that the world has trying to, to set it up. But the greatest thing about the Catholic church is you got from five o'clock on a Saturday. <laughs> I was gonna say there's. I know I, masses yeah, of all times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I know all the masses around in in our thirty mile radius. Mm-hmm. They start at. Actually, four o'clock on Saturdays. Four o'clock there's a, a four thirty Our Lady Consolation. <laughs> then we got five o'clock at our, our all of our parishes. Six you got six so. in the morning, all the way up to seven p.m. on Sunday. Seven thirty, so, I think, on Sunday night is the latest one that I know of. Seven p.m. I know Saint Matthias. I think. Yeah, seven thirty. I think they have it. Seven. I'm, yeah. It's seven. Six at Saint right. Joe's. Five. Five <laughs> okay. at uh, Saint Stephen Martyr. So I, I'm just saying because yeah, because I know we're busy. There's been times when we're out of we're out we're oh. gone for the weekend and we didn't get back until four right. o'clock. So we we know that this is a non-negotiable that we're going to go. Yep. But I understand that you know some sports they're they're scheduling them. That's you know not through the church or whatever. There's baseball or there's parties or there's these things. But there's still no excuse. It's like yeah. it's you get 168 hours in a week. 
God is asking you for one. Mm-hmm. You need to give him that one. And, it's, and it's, it's not for him. It's for us to go there to worship God and to put things in the perspective of what they are, that life is a gift. We owe God everything. Yep. He owes us nothing. Mm-hmm. We're not going there to get. We're going there to give our praise, our worship. And in return, God's showing us, obviously, when he died on the cross, how much he loves us. Mm-hmm. But in communion, he's showing us how much he loves us now. And it equips us with the grace for the rest of the week to live the life that we're called to live. But that's yeah. that's yeah. part of this, the so cycle it's, stuff. So, so the- it, it's a process on responding to the call. And and that's, you know, when I, when I first became Catholic, I'm like, okay, you know, I read my way into deeper discipleship because I was interested. You know, I, I read the you know, rediscovering Catholicism, and I just started following all these processes. And then I, next thing you know, I ended up in school and learning, and, and now I just can't stop. But the but the the book that helped, that really helped kind of transform my mind on discipleship was Forming in- Intentional Disciples by Sherry Waddell, and she was uh, she wrote this book that about how important it is to be intentional. The disciples didn't just accidentally or you know they went to synagogue on Sundays and you know no, no not th- Sundays or Saturdays Saturdays are they okay Saturdays on the Sabbath or are they Fridays Saturdays Muslims are on Fridays oh Muslims are on Fridays it was on Saturdays okay. and then um but they were intentional about it. They gave up everything and just followed him. There wasn't like just Sundays. It was like the disciples gave up everything and just, Mm -hmm. they just basically went around camping with Jesus for three years and gave Mm -hmm. up everything. But what we have to do in this time is we have to be intentional. We have to have a plan. We had to basically put out a plan to try to, to be intentional about it and all the things that we do. So the, the, the process, there was like a five-step process in this book, and this is what I laid out in the second part about responding to the call. And this goes for anybody, you know, whether you're a convert, whether you're in the church. And this is why I really like the Alpha program that we keep talking about is because this does a great job of doing this yeah. in, in this process. The first one is trust. Someone has a positive association with Jesus in the, in the church. All right, so first step, if somebody's coming to me, like for me, my mine was Katie. I'm like, well, she's she's beautiful. She's awesome. I really I like her. She's <laughs> unlike anyone else. Oh, stop. I'm like, she's like unlike anyone else I know, and she's Catholic. That's why I'm just curious. So then I'm like, oh, well, I can trust her. I got to know her. We started to date, and she invited me, and then the rest is history. But there has to be that trust, and that's what the Alpha program does is that it's meant and geared towards people who are unchurched and away from the church that you invite somebody. Now let's just face it. When you invited me to mass, I had like a miracle type situation for me right. to happen. Right. But if you invite somebody who hasn't been to mass or who's not Catholic and you invite them to, they don't know to, what's tr- going to mass, on. they don't know yeah. what's going on. They know they're okay. If there's great music and the people are nice and all mm-hmm. this, but the rest of the stuff that's going on, it takes a lifetime to somewhat to understand what right. exactly is going I'm on. I'm still understanding. <laughs> yeah, we can still learn, and God right. helps teach. But but there's a trust there too. I feel like the, the trust part is on me too, not just someone entering into discipleship. I think this is a a constant it, thing. It's a constant thing. But with the trust, what happens is. Um, uh, uh, that we start to trust other people within the church. Because some people, we talked about it with Aaliyah's episode, is that yeah, people church, are church hurt. Mm-hmm. So there's some tr- uh, trust issues. Like, well, this person was, it goes to church and they're a jerk. Yeah. Or the, the, the priest said that to me when I was growing up as a kid. That's or true. Or all that these different happened. issues of these mm-hmm. negative things that people have had with the church. Let's just face it, the church is a lot to blame for a lot of different stuff and the way that they've done things. And 
We're all sinners Amen. and we're all idiots within the church. So what does it have? Oh, you know what I really love this analogy is that the church is the ark. You know, on Noah's ark, mm-hmm. um, and it the bark of Peter and the and the the ark saved Noah and his family right from the flood, right? And and the flood was a also you know symbolized uh, symbolized baptism, being washed away, and we're saved through that church. But the ark stunk. Full of nasty, the, the, the ark's full of nasty, stinky animals, and you're with your family on it. I mean, it wasn't like it's. It's not like it was paradise on that ark, right? And so if you look at the church as the stinky boat that does save you, yeah. <laughs> it you can't you, you need to acknowledge that it's Yeah, so it, it's not going to be well, the, perfect. The, the first part trust doesn't mean you're blind trust and you you right. have to give it all up in an instant and a leap of faith is all over. Mm. No. No, it, it's it, positive it, association. What it says so is positive association with okay, somebody you met mm-hmm. or with Jesus or maybe you watched the chosen or there was something about it like okay, there's a trust like okay, I can mm-hmm. get behind that. I want I, that there's something about that person. They're like super happy all the time. They're the nicest person I know. Right. They're so forgiving. I would never forgive a person. How do they forgive that person? Whatever it may right, be that right. there's somewhat of a of an initial Step in the right direction. That towards, just shows towards, right there that we are to be the the Jesus to others. That yeah, you because might be you the may only be the Jesus only, that anyone it, 100%. ever. One hundred percent. And and that's what you know. That's one of the main things that I really loved about Pope Francis when he first came out. His first book was the joy of the gospel. And it's just like so many times people leave on Sunday and I don't see the joy. They're not changed. They're not changed by it. And like, but the ones that are, when you see it, mm-hmm. you can't forget it. And they're in, they're contagious. Christians, they are. I mean, there's what just certain that lady. Remember that lady at, at at mass? I just couldn't. She couldn't. She was like the happiest person. Oh, I forgot her name. That lady at 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 St. John's that was mass. It was, and she was just so purely happy. Oh, you're talking about oh it, uh, the small group. Uh huh. Oh. And it's just it was completely contagious. You were able to. And she's, it an, almost, el- and she's an elderly lady. And she's an elderly lady, and, and, and that's. She yeah. had this joy that was unmeasurable and unmatchable and immeasurable. Con- and immeasurable. Con- oh, excuse me. Immeasurable. And she just made was... you feel at ease and and just like almost like you could have trust and let your guard down with her. It was very interesting. Refresh- it was and refre- very refreshing. And refreshing yeah. for yes. for yeah. Okay, so yeah, next so, one. So the next one in, in that thing. So with Alpha, it's like, okay, there's a curiosity. There's a desire to know a little bit, okay? Like me, I didn't know So anything. if you have a positive experience. So we're still on number two, it's number two which is responding, responding to, to the, the call. call. So if you have that encounter with, with the either the church or a person within it that is causing you to have trust and interest, then the second is that building on curiosity and desiring to know more about Jesus and his, and his church, yeah, right? And, and that's what... And that's what Alpha does. It's like, okay, it's a 11 week. It's like, okay, week one, you know, it's like, there's more to life than this. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're starting to feel, you know, hey, there's got to be more. There, there's got to be more than me getting up, go to work, pay my taxes, pay my bills, go, mm-hmm. go to sleep, get up, do it again. Okay. It's Friday. Get drunk. All right. Hungover <laughs> Saturday. Get up. Sunday. Oh, man. It's Sunday. I got to go back to work on Monday. Oh, I'll do it all over again. There's got to be something more than this rat race. So just right. what we're doing. So there's a curiosity. Well, this person looks happy. It seems like they got it together. The whole world's going crazy. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they seem to have faith and they're like, something's different about them. Right. So now they're curious. So, you know, Alpha is a great way to invite people to, you know, like a small group. It's like, hey, and you don't have to even tell them, like, hey, come to this Alpha. It's like this thing. This is the, It's just, hey, 
you want to come to this thing? It's like, hey, we're gonna have a meal, watch a movie, sit and talk talk about some some faith stuff. So it's an easier way to to invite people because people are curious. And how many people, you know, do we just take for granted that would just say no so we don't even ask them because it's mm-hmm. kind of uncomfortable to any kind of small group or any kind of event or church or mm-hmm. whatever it is. It's just like, well, if you're not going to ask them, then probably someone, no one else will. And if you're in their sphere of influence... Yeah, you but know, I, I feel like you're just zeroing too much in on Alpha, though. This isn't an episode on Alpha. It's an episode on discipleship. It, it is. But I think you're, you're looking I, at I'm, Alpha as a tool as for a tool, discipleship my, my that po- makes it easy. But my point is is that... To respond to the call. Is that the cure? Well, because this simple. is the problem. Because, okay, say someone is trying to be a disciple. Say they go to Sunday. They go every Sunday. They know a lot of these things. But how would they go deeper into their faith? Right. What's another way that that the church has been doing it since you? Right. No. Other, right. Other than yeah. Alpha. Other than Alpha. So alpha is like another. evangelization yeah. and discipleship for dummies. For dummies. Yeah. It's basically <laughs> it what really it is. is. Because you don't have to reinvent the wheel. There's. It's literally a meal, a talk, and then the small groups. Mm-hmm. And then there's no. There's no script. It's a couple questions, and then people just organically talk. So that's mm-hmm. what happens. Then the people start to be a little bit open. And that goes for, and if if you don't have alpha or have never been to an alpha, that's okay. But look out for another person who maybe is a disciple and to say, look, I'm open to want to learn more. I want to be a disciple. This is what Jesus is calling us to do. I was going to say, so if we're looking at this as a steps thing, our first step is to, uh, to acknowledge that all individuals are called. If you're a human being with a, with a pulse, you are called to be a disciple. Okay. And that's Amen. step one. And there's an acknowledgement there. And then the second one is, well, how does one respond to that call? Well, you have to say yes. And in that, yes, there's these different, um, baby steps. So it's not just like a, yep, one and done. And I'm, I'm a disciple now and I'm going to do like, no, it's, 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 it's going to happen slowly and organically. And what you're saying is alpha is a, is a specific tool that can be used to foster that for someone who is outside the church. I'm bringing the outside, outsider perspective. Outside so you bring it. the insider perspective. Well, in all honesty though, as someone who it was an insider that might not even knew I was being called to be that I just was told I had to, if that makes sense. So now as an, a, an adult or a revert or someone that had their, their um, faith awakened a little bit, I feel like even things like Alpha or, or um, doing different things to have an openness, an, an openness to know more about what our faith teaches and why. Because it's like and for, does, for going how, through how the motions it, my whole I, life. And how can I participate in it? Well, how can I... When you're going through the motions for your whole life and not not really taking it as, as it relevance to your life, but just like something you have to do, when you get that shift, it's almost like you're starting at, at step one. Like an acknowledge of, oh, I'm like actually called to respond to something, not just something I have to do, but like I, this is about, yeah, this well, is something about tr- my regular everyday or, or life. Or if you're already in the parish and you're coming every Sunday and you want to be a disciple, well, then the, mm-hmm. the, the trust step would be, all right, trust Jesus. Believe what he says is true, mm-hmm. what the church teaches is true, mm-hmm. and take that leap of faith. I trust. 
Jesus, I trust in you. And desire and to know a, more. And then a curiosity would be, mm-hmm. okay, well, now, okay, it is true. So how do I know? Well, pick up, you know, we'll get into the other steps. But yeah. those those are things that if you're already in the church, we're going to get into those things in, in the next couple steps, what that looks like. Right. And openness, that you should be open to the Holy Spirit and the gifts of whichever which way God is trying to, to move you towards. But right. if you're outside the church, openness means, okay, I don't know for sure if I this is for me, but this I, I met this person. They're cool. I'm, <laughs> I'm super curious. I showed up to this event thing, uh-huh. and these people are super nice. Like I don't even know these people, and they're they're, they're like ha- taking my they're getting me food, or, and they're nice to me, and they, they 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 seem they generally like are interested in who I am and what I have to say, and they're listening and they're loving mm-hmm. and they're holding the door open, they're smiling, and there's an environment set where people feel at home, and then mm-hmm. all their their bad things that their experiences that they might have with other people from church or other people who are religious or mm-hmm. whatever it may be that they're we're, they're setting a stage for for not for what alpha does not for what i would do in a small group not for what the leader would do in the small group they're setting the stage to have to take when they start when they start sitting there this this is how i describe it when they when the people who come in when they're outside the church haven't been in the church they come in with their arms crossed Mm-hmm. When they're sitting there, they sit there with their arms crossed. After a couple of weeks, maybe they're not sitting up looking. You know, when you got, you're sitting there with your arms crossed, it's kind of like a defensive type position. Like mm-hmm. you're not too interested. Then the people start to, like, okay, well, they're not that weird. Maybe <laughs> you're a little weird, but they're super nice. Why are they so nice? And that's the main mantra about Alpha that sold me is that people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. So it doesn't matter that Jesus can save their life and I'm going, I can go to heaven, I can spend eternity with him and the point of my life is to know, love, and serve God and you need to go to mass and this and that. They don't care about those things until they see that other people care enough about, number one, my opinions, my path, like all these other things. And if then they let start to let down that guard, these all these defense mechanisms that the people put up to stop from being hurt. Because people have a lot of issues, you know, if they haven't been away from the church or they're new to the church, they're, they have a whole life of disappointment, of hurt and anger. Because we know, because that way isn't helping. That way isn't, gonna, isn't the answer. They're away. So we know that the greatest desire in the human heart is to be in communion with God. So we know that they're hurt. We know that what they've been looking for love in all the wrong places has all these different consequences and all these other reactions to that and all these guards that are put up. And and those are self-preservation techniques most of the time where people, it's just human nature about putting up walls. So what this does, it really helps people break down their walls. And then halfway through what works is, is that there's a space now that people let down their guard to trust a little bit. They're curious and open. And then they get an uppercut from God. Here comes the Holy Spirit comes, you know, and then they're a little bit more open to it. They're open to be vulnerable. That that vulnerability, okay, I'm going to put myself out there a little bit. I'm going to tell you, okay, with this, what I think about that. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my past. Or, you know, maybe I'll give you a little personal story. Maybe I'll tell you a little bit about that. And then the other person's like, oh, okay, well, they didn't judge me right there. They didn't say, oh, that's weird. Or I can't believe that. That's the kind of person you are. No, people are like, okay, that's interesting. Well, what do you think? Oh, well, that's really brave that you said that. And, you know, I, I had a similar situation just like that. And, and then the people feel a little bit at home. And then God starts to work like, okay. These people actually care. And then God comes in and does the work. You know, that's how I that's how I experience Alpha. That's why I'm talking about it because I know it's a it's a foolproof plan just by just doing these things because it's it's just natural that people want you know, the desire is 
that they're called and their desire is to be in communion with God. Mm-hmm. But it's just that there's these other things that are, you know, they think that you know, maybe that God wants to take away their fun. And if you see someone, hey, no, this person still has fun. And they, <laughs> and they, they're still, you know, they, they still, you know, they're not crazy, you know, but you know, we don't have to be Puritans, you know, and it's like, okay, no, okay. They, they still go have fun. Last night we went to a great concert with great friends and we had a few drinks and, you know, we were home at a decent hour and stuff like that. But it's just like, we still have fun, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, okay, these people, you know, you could be a follower of Jesus and still have fun. Okay, cool. He, he wants to make my life better. And, you know, I could still be myself at the same time. It's like, okay, cool. So, that's what I mean about the the program. That's why I feel so because I just know how much it's affected me, and I've seen other people firsthand how it works, especially people who are reverts or already in the church or away from the church. That through this process, yeah, I mean, some people are going to go through it. And not they're not going to do it because they, and and guess what happens every yeah, time. But this talk isn't is about becoming a disciple. So step one, acknowledge that you're called. Step two, respond to the call. How do you respond to the call? By trusting, by desiring to know more, by being open to change. And then then it's a seeking to move from, this isn't about just me getting, it's about me actively participating. And then Let's get into the last step that I was trying to get to. The last step would be intentional discipleship. mm -hmm. So the the only reason I'm bringing this up is because you don't have to get defensive about Alpha. Well, you, you said saying. it three times though, so obviously I do. So no. the main, so, so the main thing what I was trying to say about this seeking is a very healthy. Yeah, uh, it is. But but I wrote the I wrote I wrote this, so I know <laughs> I'm trying to drive the ship, and you just keep saying something about Alpha. I'm just giving you my convert experience, yeah. And you're trying to give me the the same because you're a revert. You're trying to give me the same one. So you take the other side of the the, the, the cradle Catholic. Okay? Uh-huh. okay. So you take that side. I'm taking my <laughs> perspective and I'm sharing that. Yeah. So you share your side. How about that? So intentional, the, the last step would be intentional discipleship, which means being intentional. That means that finally, and this is what the problem is. From my experience, I'm just giving you practical stuff. This is supposed to be a practical show, not highfalutin uh, ecumenical <laughs> talks and theology <laughs> and dogmatic stuff or whatever maybe you want to talk about, but I'm trying to talk about practical type stuff here. So alpha to me was my experience. That's why I'm, I'm talking about it. You throw a lot of shade there, Bob. Well, you said it three times. So it's like, this is not about Alpha. Well, this is about me. No, and I, and I, I went so, through so, it. yeah, and Alpha is something that is a discipleship tool. Not only so, is it a yes. tool, it's part of the, the process that our parish uses. It is, the, it is what any parish right now that seems to be working is what mm-hmm. they're doing. Yeah. And if you're not doing it in your parish, I promise your parish is dying because there's, it's, this is, the only way that I've seen it's worked, and it's not that our parish is special, they, they're monitoring this after St. Benedict's Parish, who this guy wrote the book. Mm-hmm. There's two actually models. One is rebuilt and one is divine renovation. And both of their parishes are overfilling where they have to build extensions and new churches and mm-hmm. all this stuff because they're, they're bursting at the seams. Yeah. So that's how we first did it in our old parish is that what... Let's not reinvent the wheel here, okay? Right. How do we do... Let's look and see what so let's what are at, successful people exactly. doing, and so let's try to do that. It's not about the program; it's about more of like the process of the discipling. Process. So and what's the and what I like? The, I'm just what is using the process the, of I'm just discipling. using that I like the alpha because right. this is it, because it I, creates I exper- trust. I experienced this one, two, three, four, five: the trust, curiosity, openness, right. seeking, and then ultimately led to what intentional discipling. Exactly. The pro- the, why exactly. it took so long to go through and explain all that is because that it is a process, and and for me it took 
years mm-hmm. to get to this intentional. Absolutely. And, and I think I'm part, still working on these things and it's only step two. Yeah, exactly. But the intentional discipleship, what, what I wrote was dropping one's net to make a conscious commitment to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. And this is where we dropped the ball on Alpha when we ran it. At the very end, we didn't get people to commit to making a conscious decision to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. All right, you went to Alpha, we finished, we're like, okay, it's over, now what? So there's a process to, to move, and that's what I found. So the people that, you know, not everybody was radically changed, went to Alpha. It's not like a guaranteed, all of a sudden you're a disciple maker. It's not a disciple maker machine where you, you pump people in and they automatically come out and they're disciples. But what happens, some of the people aren't going to open up. They may go, you know, show up. We have the meal, we have the talks, and some people still, by the end, don't really participate. They kind of keep their guard up. Well, then they're not disciples. That's the whole point, the right? Whole they're point. not responding to the call. But I get it. So, so as as people who are to make disciples, and the people are already there. So how do we help move those people, the people who still have the guard up? How do we help the people, especially because those are most of the people we're going to encounter, the people who aren't even going to show up to Alpha, mm-hmm. but who were baptized Catholic, went to Catholic school, went to Catholic high school, and they still aren't practicing, and their arms are still crossed about it. Mm-hmm. So that it's good experience on how to help and try to help with those people. Mm-hmm. And how do we get people to trust and move, move along? Right. Without this program, it's it's really hard. I mean, one on one, obviously, is the only way that you could possibly do it, right. and not beating them over the head with the Bible or mm-hmm. anything like that, but showing them by your life and being more curious. But this is a this is just a way to because it's not just on you. It's kind of takes the pressure off because mm-hmm. it's other people, and then other people share, then they share. So any kind of small group in general where people talking about faith, I think would work. Whether that's like a theology on tap, the small groups, or or that's some kind what of- I meant. I meant don't put it all on that because um, maybe someone's listening somewhere where there isn't an alpha, and so it just that means they can't be a disciple. I, you know, so no, just more that of wasn't a, at all. This was just my just experience, an example of, of, of how why I think the action. program works. But this also worked just in, with me before alpha. I, st- I was on the process. I'm like, okay, I started. I went to RCIA. I did the stuff. Then I started reading. I was really curious. Mm-hmm. I was open, and then. Father invited us to this conference. Right. Then it's like then the things that was are going the move on. From so that passive that, to that, active, yeah, and then, and then it became intentional disciple. So you did all that without Alpha. Is my point? That is my point. But my, I'm not. I'm not against Alpha. It's like one of my favorite things. I'm just saying that I that's not it. the end all. Be I was all. trying to just show an uh, example. One example. of yeah. Why it works because people may hear, oh, I heard about that or this or that. Right. But this is why it works, and it's not me. This is Sherry Waddell's book, and this is the general how it works with people. In general, this they study this. This is like she studied the, the Catherine of Siena Institute, and there's a lot of hours and a lot of lot of research and a lot of work about how discipleship works. Mm-hmm. This is the process. I was just saying that Alpha works because it follows this program, mm-hmm. not the other way around. Yeah, not, exactly. Not do Alpha. I was just using that to elucidate mm-hmm. the points of Sherry Waddell's book. So, so all through love. All, through all right. Love. So let's let's start from the beginning. See, step one. Step one. Acknowledgement that all are called. Step two. Step two. Responding to that call and its baby steps. It starts with a, a positive experience of trust, then curiosity, desiring to know more about Christianity or to, to desire to know more about Jesus himself, and openness that there could be a possibility to change of seeking, moving from a passive to active, and then becoming that intentional disciple 
meaning I'm like basically saying I am going to disciple, which means I'm going to try to follow and emulate and take on the the discipline of 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 Christ. So then the third. So what are those? Hold on, but before we move there, I I didn't get to finish my point on the intentional disciple about. That's why I specifically used the words about dropping one's net. That's a that's a big deal. For for people moving to the step to discipleship, from my experience, is that the number the two the two reasons why people don't. There's two reasons. Number one, unforgiveness. S- people hold on, and as I talk to people through the Alpha program, I talk to young people, to old people, to different people, and all the people that were holding on is because there was some unforgiveness that they had. Some stuff was so little of things that they couldn't forgive people about issues and things that so have happened. So because of out. unforgiveness, they couldn't follow Jesus? Hear is that what yes. you're saying? Not okay. to, no, to be a disciple. Because what happens is, if you no, follow, follow along, and the Our Father, the Our Father, we can't be forgiven until we forgive. And the people can't be forgiven, can't allow God's grace and mercy to flow through them if they're holding on to this anger and holding on to whatever uh, this hurt mm. or any of these going on. If you're holding grudges on people, that's what it says. In, it also says in the Bible, if you go to church and you're holding a, gr- a, a, a grudge against your brother, mm-hmm. drop your, your, your donation and take off because it's in vain. You can't move to step three, which mm-hmm. is love. You can't move to love. How mm-hmm. can you move? How can you say, any, it says also in First John, anybody who's says that they love God and it has enemy uh, enemies and it hates their brother, you're not mm-hmm. full of love. You're a liar. It right. says you're a liar. Right. So that's my point. The, the, so, the reason that those steps, the, the two things, this isn't me, this is also another talk, that the two steps of why they don't move from step four to step five to this intentional discipleship is, first, first point is unforgiveness. There's somebody, there's something that they're holding on to that they won't let forgive. Now, not getting into a whole thing about forgiveness, but forgiveness doesn't mean going th- that the relationship automatically goes back. Forgiveness is for you and your heart to forgive the other person, whatever it is. Doesn't mean you got to be back to be best friends, whatever. But you let that hate out of your heart for the mm-hmm. person that you're not wanting to get back at them. You're not wanting to do, and that is that is the number one block to God's grace into mm-hmm. their heart. Because to be a disciple, it takes God's grace to overwhelm people. So the first step is to actually, truly, and wholeheartedly. Do an examine about all the people in your life that you may be holding on to, a person at work, mm-hmm. a family member, a mother-in-law, uh, whatever, whoever it may be, mm-hmm. that holding on to that will be the number one reason why you can't go deeper in your faith. So f- ask God to put that person in your heart and pray and to help you to figure that out and to let that person go. If that's what it is, that's number one. Number two is the other part of this, which says dropping your net. So really quick, dropping your net... I would think dropping your net for fish. This means drop your net, meaning let go of... Exactly, means surrender. So they dropped their nets not to catch fish, but to stop fishing. Stop fishing. Okay, that's why I'm asking. So 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 it means to drop the... Shed the the things away that keep you from God and follow him. Is that what that is? Halfway, halfway. The other half would be surrendering. That... Stop trying to do it on your own. Mm-hmm. That's what I did for five, six years of after I became Catholic. I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to 
do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to say this many rosaries. I'm going to do these yeah. prayers. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to mass. I'm going to do all these different things. It's all about me. It was all about my will, mm-hmm. about what I was going to do instead of surrendering and letting God work through me and saying, mm-hmm. God, you take the wheel. I surrender. I give up. Mm-hmm. It's your show. Guide me, Just teach work through me. Work through it's me. It's so much teach easier to, to do it that way too. Well, it, it's no, funny. it's not. It's harder because we are used to controlling. Control. We're used to being in control. We're used to being in charge. We're used to getting our way in what we want to do. And it's very hard. That's mm-hmm. the last step. That's why being a disciple is hard. It's mm-hmm. like, I mean, even it takes discipline. Well, even ah. in, in, even in the bread of uh, the bread uh, bread of life discourse, look what happened when Jesus laid out what the Eucharist was going to be. All the disciples left except for the twelve, and these were people who followed him for years because they thought that everything was going to be different. They're, they had a preconception uh, yeah. about what they thought the Messiah was going to do, and he starts talking about I'm going to give you my I'm going to die and I'm going to give you my body and my blood. Like what? <laughs> I thought you were gonna go in and like thought start whacking down the Romans, yeah. and we you were gonna, you were gonna come in on and, your white yeah, stallion. Yeah, you're gonna do all these miracles for you know, keep feeding us and keep doing all these things. But you know, we had preconceived notions about what 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 right. being a disciple is. Instead of hey, you know, you know, my, the newest line that I really liked was, I need to be uncomfortable. I need to be in a place where I'm not. Like I feel like I'm controlling. Like I know what the next step is because I planned it out in my little book. So tomorrow I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm doing this, which is important to still do, but to leave room in there for God mm-hmm. to direct some of that, to to be in a to be able to put myself in a position to be uncomfortable so that that the Comforter can come in and follow me. I think last podcast I talked about the Francis Chan quote that that I'm going to put myself in a situation where. I have to let God come through because if not, I will fail. That I have to trust that much that he's going to provide, whether that's a person that we need in my job that we may need or or any of these different things. It's like, or, you know, I need, you know, a a better health screening or, you know, things that are going on that we surrender that even if it isn't what I want, that it's your will then, God. That's the hard part is that when we don't get what we want, we understand that that's still God's will. Mm-hmm. Because that's how it happened. So it's God's will. That's the hard part of surrendering, even in the times when we don't understand. And I think those two things are the two things that stop people from being a disciple, practically. Unforgiveness and lack of actual true surrender. And, and tr- both of them are not letting things go. And it is. And, and <laughs> they're not letting go of... Um, mostly pride. Of your, own, of, of your own control over something and not letting go of what somebody else did. And it's mostly right? all pride. That's the yeah. original sin. It's the, mm-hmm. I want to be the judge of good and evil. I, I know what it should mm-hmm. be. I know what's yeah. best for my life because I'm living it. Yeah. You know, so right? that's... But for my personal experience, that's what I... I I knew that from dealing in ministry and in my life personally. And when I did surrender, my life totally changed. Mm -hmm. But the trick is you have to do it every day. The surrender doesn't, it's not a one-time all time. I was going to say each one of these is something you have to do every day. So again, So that we spent a long time on on these things, but I think that's very important points that so no matter where you're at on your faith journey, that this is a journey. And that, guess what? You may be step five and then go back to step four and then go back to step five. And, or I mean, sometimes in these things. A lot of it is a reminder. So again, reminding everyone that all are called 
and that we have to be responding to it always. And that, that response, sometimes we forget that we need to be the ones who respond. We can't just, it's not a one and done. And so in that yes. response, it takes trust, curiosity, openness, seeking, and then you are intentionally discipling. And in that, you have to be intentional, right? It can't just be mindless, again, one and done, and now I'm good. It needs well, to the be best something that's always, consistent and, the best and question, constant. The best question is, God, what do you want me to do? Right. That's intentional. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, all throughout the Bible, now we're listening to the Bible in the years still, and this is like, like I'm on Nehemiah right now, and every time- I'm so far behind in that. He goes to do anything, <laughs> it's like, God, okay, what do you want me to do? David's, you know, before David, David, before did? David, yeah. any decision you make, God, okay, what yeah. do you want me to do? Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, well, and then trying to leave that space to let right. God answer. And I think a lot of times we, we wait. No, we're too busy. This 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 fast paced world. It has nothing to do with waiting. It's it's literally, I'm I'm on the go 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 go, and it's or like, it's did too I loud even to make... we even hear hear, right. hear him exactly. talk back? So the third mark of a disciple, after we have acknowledged that we're called and respond to that call, is to just love. And I think this is another one that's misunderstood. But love isn't just nice. It's not just being nice. It, right? Love doesn't mean. Tol- but, just tolerate either. Right. Love God and others. And I like that you have here a great commandment, not a great suggestion. Um, so two quotes are here. I give you a new commandment, love one another as I have loved you, as I have loved you. How does he love? He loves sacrificially. How does he love? By telling the truth, even if how some people he, didn't want to hear it. Right? How does he show love? By dying on a cross for you. By di- by by dying, by dying of himself, by sacrificing himself. So as I have loved you, so you also should love one another. So we should, should look again. We are called to be disciples, taking on his practices. We should practice how he loves, and it's not always just being nice and polite. And I think that this is the most misunderstood of today's age. Is that that is. Um, that that love is being nice, because look at it. Just look at us as parents. Yeah, that's the best if, example. If loving our kids meant just being nice to them all the time, then that means that I give them whatever they want. That they can have. That they can have, you know, candy for breakfast. You know that I'm being nice to them, and not ever establishing setting boundaries or telling them no <laughs> I think that well that's an unconditional love too I, I think that the, we need to understand too the way that God loves us and the way that we love are way different you know that agape love that that sacrificial love it's obviously God's love's unconditional our love we try to be unconditional but yeah. it's hard we're human we're flawed we're sinners and I think it should, no, no matter what you do, if we, if we reprimand our children, if we tell them no, it still needs to be in a charitable and kind and loving way. I'm not saying we have to be jerks and I, I love my kid, I tell them no. no it's, it's not like that, but it's more the definition of love by St. Thomas Aquinas, willing the good of the other for, the, for their sake. 
Sometimes that looks like discipline. Sometimes yes. that looks like compassion, some, empathy. Yeah, compassion. Sometimes that's walking side to side. Sometimes that's Listening. turning the other cheek. Sometimes yeah. that's biting uh, your tongue. Sometimes it's sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's forgiving it's, people who don't deserve it. And sometimes it's telling really hard truths sometimes that it's you admonishing don't the that center. makes you very uncomfortable. But it's necessary for the will to will the good of the other for their own sake. So I mean, it's not just getting along to get along. Exactly. Exactly. Which sometimes we in this culture, this it's a lot easier to do that. But without conflict, sometimes you know things can't progress or grow. Right. Sometimes, sometimes conflict is necessary. For example, we just had a a, a semi disagreement about talking about alpha too live on the air live on the air too long (laughs) about you know i didn't know we're on a time crunch about talking here so so we had you want to air out our our you know but my point was is that yeah no i mean we have a relationship where she can say that to me yeah and but maybe we were spending a little too much time on it and i'll take it i'll take that under you know advice under advice. Is that what I was saying? I was saying you were making it an Alpha episode, not a discipleship I, episode. I wasn't. It's, it's fine. The people at Alpha probably really appreciate it. Yeah, let's send in this podcast. <laughs> yeah, Maybe should. they'll get me a, a, yeah. a sponsorship. Here. Who knows? Who knows? Anyways. Um, okay. But the, but the point is with, with love is that sometimes, you know, sometimes it doesn't look like love. You know what I'm mm. saying? To to you the way, mean the way our the way culture, that a culture says it. love, yeah, because it's not giving somebody always what they want, right? And that Enable, to, that, that's enabling. That's where <laughs> that's that's be, where we've been defined. And being a disciple doesn't mean being the church of nice. That doesn't mean being lukewarm. Mm-hmm. It's the opposite. Jesus said in Revelation chapter four that those who are lukewarm will be spit out. Mm-hmm. You know, to- tolerance is the new buzzword of our culture is that we are called to tolerate everything. <laughs> we are not. But C.S. Lewis points out, and we talked this in a, in, a, in a past podcast, is that we are called to love the sinners and hate the sin. And sometimes we are to tell them that. But the problem is where people get into trouble where it looks like people are intolerant or they're bigots is that when you try to do that with complete strangers, if you don't know somebody you have a relationship. And, and you don't have a relationship with the person and right. you're saying you're going to hell or oh you know that's goodness. a sin or you know what you're doing it's like that's not charitable that's, that's not the charitable. whole point yeah that's you know not, that's not what it says in right. uh, 1 1 3 uh, 1 Peter 3:15 where it says be ready to give a defense for the faith but do it with charity do it with love but some of these conversations and compassion and empathy and accompaniment these these, com- these these hard conversations you know, it depends on the relationship that you have with somebody where you can, obviously it's our kids, so we're called to, <laughs> to, to do it differently because we're the parents, yeah. but with a friend or a family member or a coworker, mm-hmm. you know, it's based on timing and, yeah. hey, I know this person or, hey, you don't do it in front of other, but and that you right don't there, do it in front of other people. No, you walk with them. you know what? Them. That's exactly, you hit it. It's all about timing and it's not our timing, it's God's. And you, if you fully do surrender to his will, if you do say it's not on my terms and my time, and you do have that surrender, you'll know when it's the right time to say something. He'll give you those opportunities when it is in, in that in those charitable. Well, what, kind when my last ways. confession I went to, which was last week, I felt bad because my normal sins I'm not really doing. I'm, <laughs> thanks be to God, like my confessions are like really soft, but <laughs> but. It's like uh, throwing popcorn at God. So, anyways, I'm just joking. Oh, jeez. I'm joking. So, but Father pointed out that 
it's those sins of omission, not commission. Mm-hmm. I'm not committing. I'm not in the, the commission, but the omission, the sins of omission, which the things that I'm supposed to do, but I don't do. Maybe mm-hmm. that person that I didn't say something to, or maybe that person that I didn't love enough. Maybe right. I didn't go out of my way to do or to say or mm-hmm. to help or to do those things. Those are the things when if we're not in tune, if we're not surrendered, if we're not asking God all the time, like what he mm-hmm. wants us to do or be with him, that we miss so many of those opportunities to mm-hmm make disciples or to love that person or to, yeah. to be that person for that step one to, for the trust that they see that in me to want to maybe take that next step into trust mm-hmm. that I somehow failed. Or if I was a jerk to somebody, they said, they're like, oh, I thought you were a Christian. I mean, the one of the first times right. I heard, when I heard someone say that, it's like, oh, I thought you were a Catholic. I'm like, oh man, talk about a dagger to your heart. It's like, mm-hmm. you forget that you know, you're a walking billboard. If you prese- yeah. you profess that you're Catholic and people know, and then you and you, you have a Catholic couple podcast, they will let, be- believe <laughs> believe you me. They will let you know, you know. Yeah. So which is fine. You know? I gotta watch and, what I say to my kids at Target. Yeah, you know, it's like <laughs> a, a, a accountab- it's accountability, but yep. it does help you, you know. But but we're we're sinners and we're human, yeah, and exactly. I get it. So, um, so the last part about the love is, and and this is the way that all the saints talk about it. And uh, Mm -hmm. there's a Bishop Barron quote in there, but this is mother Teresa. This is, you know, the little flower. These are all the people is that your life is a gift. It's meant to be given away. Mm -hmm. So the, the measure of your, your life and your joy in your life is going to be the measure that you give it away. Mm-hmm. And that it's counterintuitive to what the culture says, that we are consumers, that we go to church for, for what we're going to get, what we get out of mass. So like, oh, I'm not being, you know, there's so many Catholics that have fallen away or go to, you know, evangelical churches or just don't go at all because, you know, I've heard, well, I'm just not, I just don't get anything out of it. Right. There's just, there's just, you know. But it's it's a total misunderstanding. It's like it's you. not about what you're getting; it's about what you're giving. It's mm-hmm. about so, so so that's what with our lives in general. Exactly. That's what it's about. It's not hey what what I, my plans are. It's not what I can do or what I can get or wh- right. wh- whatever. This so that is exactly about- leads into the fourth the fourth mark, which is disciples are fruitful. So everything you're saying there are the fruits, right? And um, I was on a. Um, like a conference call thing, a Zoom with Ron Huntley, who wrote the or co-wrote Divine Renovation, and he said, if if we're going to be disciples and we're going to to talk about fruit, we better know what good fruit looks like. So, what does good fruit look like in a disciple? Right? Like, so it uh, Jesus says, "I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever remains in me, and I in him, will bear much fruit, because without me, you can do nothing." Um. So. Let's just think what too. does good fruit look like from Galatians, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We did a whole podcast it's on that. The fruit of what discipleship. does good fruit look like? So if you're living it, then it should be, sh- it should show. So like you said, someone could say, oh wait, you're, you're supposed to be this great Catholic. Look at, but I don't see a change in you. I don't see fruit. Right. So you're, judge it by its fruit is this working is the thing are the things that i'm doing as a disciple working i should have evidence of that yeah and we all have all these you know these these spiritual gifts that we're all bapt if you're baptized you have gifts of the holy spirit that but a lot of times just like any gift once you get the gift you have to open the gift <laughs> if you keep it in the Use it. if you keep it in the wrapping or or like Katie, she always gets uh, she gets gift cards a lot, 
and like I'll like find them like two years later, like in a drawer. I'm like, you know, you have like a fifty dollar gift card here. She's like, oh yeah. I'm like you know the you know, I don't you know, know why you, I feel like I gotta save them. I don't know. But you, I don't but, you but you know the card. Right you away. know the cards themselves aren't <laughs> worth the money. It's like at the store you spent like the card itself isn't like uh, man I got a fifty dollar collectible. For some here. reason I'm like well you know. Like me, I, I, I'm like the I, I'm the guy who like as soon as I get him like I'm on the internet like instantly like as soon as I, I get the gift like and I, I leave the house it out, I'm like get a good deal maybe there's something like ah, I don't want to just like <laughs> waste it on whatever uh, like I wanted something to be like, oh yeah oh I have a gift card for that I don't know I know I whatever think it's funny. anyway but remember also what Jesus says about the trees that aren't fruitful he's gonna whack them down right you know Burn so <laughs> so so the, the point is is that I mean in the Bible obviously there were a lot of farmers so they do a lot of farming talk seeds and uh, you know sowing of seeds mm-hmm. and the fruit and the and the harvest and the, you know so a lot of the language is geared towards you know there wasn't industry mostly you were a fisherman or farmer mm-hmm. there wasn't a whole lot of industries going on so everyone understood the the parables and, and the comparisons right. so it was a lot easier for them to understand that they knew that there was some fruit that comes out of the tree that it's rotten or it mm-hmm. doesn't grow big enough or something happened to it, the rain got to it, the hail, mm-hmm. it didn't get enough, whatever, you know? So it's like, okay, our but, eyes are actually trained to pick up ripe fruit. Like literally they did a whole genetic study. It's like the, you know, the, I don't know, I don't want to, I don't finish getting into this, but like women, <laughs> why women wear lipstick, that's red. It's like a ripe. It's like like that's how our eyes. That's our just eyes have been trained trained from, to, from ripe fruit and like that. Not that women are fruit, but you, it's like you an, get what evolution, I'm saying, an evolutionary. It's an, it's an, it's an evolutionary yes. uh, thing with us. An adaptation. An adaptation Got from it. you know running from predators and all this. Other well, stuff. let's look at that. If you want to take that agricultural viewpoint um, of the time, right? You also need to look at it from a farming perspective. If you could identify with your eye, good fruit, okay, as a as a person that's going to um, know what it, you need to know what it looks like. You also need to know as an agriculturalist, right, how to produce it. So you could say, well, I know when I till the soil and when I water it regularly and when I give it fertilizer and when I do these things to that plant, it produces good fruit. But when I neglect it, right, like our garden, because I have no time, is overrun with weeds. I just pulled the weeds. Oh, well, thank you. But I'm saying, let me me have my parallel here, though. Like, I go over there and a lot of the tomatoes... They're like they were like burst burst down the middle, you know, like they they weren't I, they were they were cracked up and you couldn't really eat those. They were you know, and Braden would like have one. He's like, well, these taste weird. That's not good fruit, right? So what was it that I needed to do differently? I needed to take care of that garden better. I needed to water it more. I needed to harvest and pick the fruit when it was at the ready. right time and ready. and and so all of those things can be parallels to a, to your life and discipleship. Or like those Knowing, bananas that we have still sitting there. Sometimes you go to the store, you pick out the you pick out the good good fruit, but then you, you just, let, just let, it let it sit, sit and you there. don't actually do anything with it. So it's just like a it's just, it's the same thing when your spiritual life and you're just if you're a, if you are a disciple and you even if you bear fruit, know still when to use that. Or or if you if you're seeing that your spiritual life isn't bearing fruit, well, am I spending that time? And you need to spend in prayer, in in reading, in adoration, in reading, in reading other books, and doing different things that that I should be doing in my disciple life, right? In in um, different practices that you might be taking on. It's knowing the fruit and making changes to bear more or to bear it better, right? Um, so that's so, that so somebody who's a, a disciple that bears fruit should be trying to make other disciples because. 
that are evangelizing or things that they do work. You know, they're mm-hmm. like, they're loving. Okay, well, you know, people are, uh, recognize those things. Right. Next huh. one. Okay. Disciples well. are obedient. You are my friends if you do what I command you. John fifteen fourteen. I came so that they might have life and have it more abundantly. You mean he didn't say I came to ruin your fun? He didn't. Mm. I am the good shepherd. A good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. That's John 10, 10, 11. And amen. I say to you, whatever you did for one of the least of my brothers of mine, you did for me. Matthew twenty five forty. All of these are what we are called to do and called to listen. And be obedient. So listening and obeying, us looking at him as our shepherd, our leader, our, um, our person that is to guide us. We have to be open to that and obey. Well, this has been my big thing that I've been on lately. I don't know if I said it on a podcast or not, but it's like when I hear the word trust, I'm like, I can't stand it anymore. It's like, well, I trust that, you know, I'm like, but then you don't do what correlates to trusting. So to me, like the only word that really matters is obey. Like, oh, Jesus, I trust in you. Okay, but you don't. So you're saying that obedience is trust, trust is in like, action? Exactly, no, no, it's yeah. obedience, trust, obedience in is action. trust in so action. If you, have sh- if you just have it in your head and say, I trust, but then you do something different, what is that? So prove not, it. So prove obe- it. Obedience, obedience would be proving, proving the trust. Proving that it, you trust someone. Trust. And that makes sense because I... Um, if you, if you trust me that, you know, you, you know what I mean? Like it, it, yeah. Trust is an action. Well, for example, our daughter, she (laughs) is sometimes very not disobedient, but she's wants to do things her way. She's trying Mm -hmm. to figure it out. She's eight. Mm -hmm. I give her, she's an independent spirit and she's she's smart. She's yeah. You know, she's a know it all, Mm. you know, wonder where she gets that from, but she, you know, she, but sometimes she doesn't want to listen. But she'll say, Mom, Dad, I, no, I do trust you. I do trust you. Well, then if you trust me, then you listen. Mom and Dad, I will tell her, look, Mom and Dad, number one, are, we're you know, 30 years older than you plus. I'm like, <laughs> so I've been there, done that. I, I know a lot more. But number two, I love you and I want the best for you. What Did I'm you doing. you trust that what we're telling you, trust you to do. trust what I'm going to do? That I want the best right. for you and I love you and I'm trying to do everything to set up. Yeah, right now you may not understand why you got to clean your room mm-hmm. or why you got to do your homework right now or why you have to brush your teeth or brush your – like that these are skills or these are things that you're going to have to learn for life, for general, to be able to follow a boss. And you're going to have to be obedient to a boss. You're going to have to be obedient unless you run your own business or whatever. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, everyone's going to have someone to answer to. And being obedient and showing that we can, you know, follow along and to to follow God. I mean, that's it's it's everything. But too much of the the lip service that you know, oh, do you know, do you, you know, the Lord is my you know Lord and Savior and this and that. But if you're not obeying what He's called us to do, I mean, those are hard sayings. To you know, whatever, yeah, no, I agree. You know, to yeah, to whatever you do the least of me, it's like okay, go you know feed the feed the homeless and clothe the you know whatever you do for the least of me. Okay, well, right. you know when you see a homeless person or if you see you know these things that Jesus challenges to are tough. Yeah, and we fail because we're sinners and we don't do it a hundred percent. But admitting that, okay, I, I I didn't obey you in that moment. I, I you were calling me to to do this and I just couldn't I do it. I didn't mm-hmm. do it. You know or you know, hey, uh, you know, what, whatever, whatever the situation may be, that obeying it's, it has so much of a negative connotation now, because it's 
it's you know being subservient mm-hmm. that well you know why should I have to my boss why should I be why should I obey what my boss says you know he's only paying me this amount of money and he doesn't know and he's a jerk or whatever that might be an American mentality too it could be know? I know like, we uh, I know we are big worldwide on this podcast so I should try to maybe uh, mm-hmm. no but I'm just joking but you know what I mean it's like mm-hmm. to obey it just has a we're Americans we have independent spirit it's right. like you know no I'm I'm independent I'm a self made man I'm, I, I pick to myself obey up I obey myself yeah, yeah. you know but obeying okay. God is it is just, tough it shows trust but it's tough because he's usually calling us to do things that make us feel mm-hmm. uncomfortable comfortable but and most people will do everything in their power to not be in a place where they feel uncomfortable because uncomfortable but it's the means exactly is, because uncomfortable because uncomfortability is usually forced upon because it's something that we don't know, haven't mm-hmm. been, haven't done, don't have experience, so it's scary. It, it incites fear or all these weird feelings. But change. Le- change, but what, what you hit on is that that's where all the growth's at. Mm-hmm. You can't grow by doing things you've always done. Yeah. If you want to learn how to speak Spanish, you're going to... Like me, I'm working on my vocabulary right now. And I won't lie. I'm on day like 15. It's like a 30-day thing. And it's about 15 minutes every day. So it's not just the words. It's like exercises. But it's hard. Like some of these words are hard. And like you got to go and like like you read the words like a couple times. And then you got like an adjective. Or then you got to, you know, use it in a sentence. And then they'll give you like, you know, like, okay, the definition again. And then you got to write the word in there. And there's like three different exercises like that. And like reversing them. And and it's frustrating because I don't remember them. Or, you know, it's like. It's like, oh, you don't want to look like, oh, man. Yeah, but anything, if you look at anything but it's where the that's difficult, at. it's worth it. But you will fight it. But it's even me, I know I bought the book. I'm halfway through but it. That's but I'm discipline. still fighting. Exactly. That right there is taking on a discipline. So whether it, whether it's taking on someone's someone else's discipline as a disciple or taking on a discipline to achieve a specific task, you have to acknowledge it's going to be hard, but it's going to be worth it. It's going to make me uncomfortable. And I have to accept that, and I'm taking on that discipline. That's it, and that's that's discipleship too. It's gonna be hard. It's gonna be uncomfortable, but in the end, and you're it's gonna, gonna fail. have good things. You're gonna fail. Yeah, and you're gonna fail. Acknowledge it. Move on. Boom. So that is the next piece of it. Disciples are learners. A disciple means you're learning. So you cannot learn unless you're making mistakes. You cannot learn until you you know in, in, until you have an openness that there are things that you don't know. And that it's okay if you mess up, if, as long as you learn from it, right? So a disciple means learner. They long to know God. They long to know his teachings. Again, if we're taking on Christ's disciplines, if we're taking on and trying to emulate his way of life, then we need to know what it is. And you can't know what it is unless you seek that knowledge, right? And you learn what it is. So... Um, there's so many different ways to do that from just reading the Bible to reading books, to podcasts, to TV shows, to videos, to going to an alpha small group. That's a way, right? Bob, Uh, you want to talk about alpha? I don't know if we've mentioned the alpha program. I see what what you did there. You brought it back full circle. circle, So you've been working on your comedy. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it was St. Athanasius that said that it, those who are not into spiritual reading aren't into seriously into their faith. Mm-hmm. So reading, I mean, I know for me, that's how it worked for me. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people don't have time, but a lot of people do spend time in their car. We're doing the Bible in a year. Yeah. The number one thing that you should be learning 
is the Bible. Scripture. Mm-hmm. Scripture, number one. Most Catholics don't, right. from my experience and talking to people, the, the people who are serious about being disciples mm-hmm. are people who spend time in the scriptures. And yeah. if you're busy and you can't do it, that's to me an excuse. Sorry. Well, let's look well, at... Well, just carve out a, like 20 minutes well, in the morning to read a couple well, passages. I think the average human being watches four hours of television a day. <laughs> I'm not serious. That's four hours. So what I what I would suggest is this Bible in the year of Father Mike, it's 20 to 30 minutes every day. Mm-hmm. And most people are in a commute or in a drive. Yeah. Listen to it in your car. Right. It's a good way to feed. Those who people, if you want to be serious about being a disciple, mm-hmm. the, what, the number one thing that helped me other than increasing times... Of, that I go to mass during the week would be time I spend in scripture because that's the other thing about being a learner, being humble is that the more I learn, the more I know, I don't know Exactly. that Socrates was besides Jesus is probably one of the smartest guys to ever live who said that there's a two kinds of people, fools who think there are wise and the wise who know there are fools. So that and being, that is humility. And, and, mm-hmm. and the Bible is the most complicated yet easy things to read. I mean, it's, it's so hypertext and so crazy complex <laughs> mm-hmm. and so intricately woven that number one, it's like couldn't be man-made. Number one, right. number two, that there's so much practical wisdom. There's spiritual wisdom. There's all kinds of stuff in there, from the proverbs to the psalms to just the gospels. But spending time, if you want to be a learner, I just keep having this thing that pops in my head always is like, "What the heavens?" Like, yeah, but. How much did you even read my book? Do you even know anything <laughs> about me? Right. Like, you know, you don't pe- have a book. Did you read my book? Well, people <laughs> always Matthew say, well, Kelly, God, does, well, God, yeah, well, God doesn't. I think Matthew Kelly always would say that people always say, well, God doesn't talk to me. How do I know what God was? How do I know to be obedient? God's not talking to me. He's like, well, have you read the scriptures? <laughs> have because, you read his book? <laughs> because the Holy Spirit works through those words. Not only do those apply to when they, they were written, mm-hmm. but when you read the scriptures and you're into it and you pray with it, and you, that it will speak to your heart. And if for some reason... In a different way every time works, you read them, too. It it's works alive. in a crazy mm-hmm. way. It is alive. And that's how it is. Sure. Spirit-led uh, scripture reading really helps. So if yeah. you want God to know what you, you know, hey, God, what do you want me to do? Or I want to be obedient, uh, th- these marks of, of discipleship, mm-hmm. get your face in some scripture or Bible in a Year is a great uh, podcast and app. There's tons of different um, programs. And then I think it's really important to note, like you said, is that um, you're never going to stop learning. It's never going to. And, and the more you learn, the more you learn, there is just so much you don't what know. What would be the second most important book to read that most Catholics haven't read? The Alpha book? Not funny. The book about Alpha? You're not funny. <laughs> You're kind of funny, but not that funny. <laughs> no. Um, the ones that most Catholics haven't read cover to cover. I maybe I would say, if I would be a betting man, which I am, I would say... Five percent of Catholics have read this book from cover to cover. Are you talking about the um, huge, ginormous, like the Bible? Besides read, the Bible, besides oh. besides the Bible, obviously, being a joke, telling a joke, took your brain off of what was going <laughs> yes. on because I'm showing you the size of what it is. It's green. Oh, the Catechism. Oh, there, ching, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> the Catechism. I want to say it's 800 pages, mm. but it's it's we, so good. It's not only is it so good, but John Paul II helped get this thing together. Obviously, he had the Baltimore Catechism, but the, the Green Catechism, 
it's chock full of everything that we believe and all the smartest people who ever lived in the church mm-hmm. are why? all in there and it's mm-hmm. and it's systematic it's for it's like you have a question about anything talk about like hyperlinks. hey what hey what Ooh. does the church teach about this or hey you want to learn your faith you're serious about want to be a disciple some of the, some of the things there's a catechism quote for there, that. there's a catechism <laughs> if you don't know the basic catholic teachings of why we believe what we believe or wh- why we exist in the first place at all yeah right? i mean those all of th- it. those issues all especially that if you don't understand them how can you explain them to anyone and else how can you explain them to your kids it's incredibly scripturally based so it, re- Majority. it i mean it's primarily scripturally based scripture um, other and, saints uh councils and, council yeah teaching uh, ecumenical and, yeah, yeah encyclicals mm-hmm. and right but uh, I think the second most quoted person besides scripture and catechism is. Oh, I don't know. I believe it's Saint, I guess Saint Aquinas? Augustine. Saint, I think it's Saint Augustine. Oh, okay, yeah. Don't quote me on that, but I'm 95 percent sure. But um, I had to take a class in this, and I don't remember. I'm pretty sure it's Augustine it off the top is. of my head. Probably is. All right, so number seven. Disciples follow their master, which is kind of very similar to obey, but. Um, obedient would be more like following like the teachings uh, following the master this is I don't know if I said it was it last week the quote the quote I said last week um, kind of gives a, a good way to explain it in a visual because it's really it's, it's really it's hard to understand when we hear that like follow me it's like okay well we can't quit our jobs we, <laughs> we, you know we can't just get up and like you know, we got kids yeah. like, we can't just say alright Avery Bredo, we'll see you later. We're gonna go follow this go Jesus follow guy. Jesus. No, no. So we're called to we're, we're called to to follow. But this quote that I really liked from uh, my favorite, if I can find it here, I don't want to botch it. I know I got it closer somewhere. There it is. The difference between follow my teaching and follow me is like the difference between following a roadmap and following a car. Being a Christian is not worrying about getting all the details right in the map's directions. It's a high-speed car chase. Follow Mm, me. I love that. You know, it's like, okay, sometimes being uncomfortable and not knowing (laughs) and being unpredictable is fun. It's like you never know what's going to happen. It's like, uh, you know, I I can be extreme at times. And I was on this kick of like I was ready to be like extreme, like ready to – you know, go to an alpha course. Go to an alpha course in a <laughs> foreign country. No, um, but I told Kate, I'm like, I think God's calling us. There's something radical is about to happen. I'm like, we need to sell our house and get ready because God's moving us into something it's crazy. It's also very important to discern <laughs> that well, disciples follow their masters. And well, they need we to had do a backup. My plan, my God, I thought was. To, I knew he was preparing for something. Mm. And I was ready to sell our house and like move in at my mom's house for a while. And then whatever happened, just blow, like, like, like the Holy Spirit blow us to where it was going. And he did have a big plan. And our lives have been turned upside down. Yeah. And things have been real different. But we so, didn't have to sell so our would, house or anything. I was like 50% that. right. 50% right. Yeah. So I like this quote too Are you a fan or are you a follower? So uh, obviously a fan in the stands. So, okay, if you're at a Bears game and you're a fan in the stands, you know, people like to use those phrases even, like, we won. We played terrible. You ain't playing, like, right? Like, you're not <laughs> Did playing Did you take a game. hit? I didn't Did think you so. Just, yeah. Um, 
so so fans in the stands they like to identify like yeah we 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 but they're not doing anything except like watching spectating right I but a follower I know everybody does I'm I'm using that as an example Especially come Sunday but if you're a follower you there's action involved there's participation involved skin in the game there's skin in the game exactly I like the um Going back to our conference, the Amazing Parish, I remember mm-hmm. that's where that, that actually, I think he has a podcast or a talk or a speech entitled, but the story that he told, it's called Fan or Follower. I'm sure you can find it on YouTube by oh, Jeff, by, no, it's by Jeff Caven. Oh, Jeff Caven. And he tells a story that, that he, he started by, he bought a camera. And he was really, oh, right. he, he was yeah. really interested in like, uh, to, you know, taking great pictures, being a photographer. So he bought this really nice uh, Canon, he got all these different lenses, and he was like really into all the stuff. And then he started buying magazines on like photography and techniques <laughs> and all these different things. And then he, then he's like, then he waited for the next month. And he went to the got more stuff, and he was more all the technical stuff. That's kind of like that quote, like, okay, yeah. uh, I am following all this map details. I know where everything's mm-hmm. at. I know where the road. I know all these things. But then his wife finally said to him, he goes, are, "Are you going to go out and like take? Are some, you going to like ever take a? Picture? You ever going to go out like just take a picture? <laughs> and, you know, like, oh. and, and sometimes." Yeah, and, sometimes you have to just and, practice. And sometimes it's like, you know, the best way to learn how to swim isn't reading a book. It's jumping in the water. Right. And sometimes that's what's scary. Like, well, I don't know how to swim. I can't get in the water. Like, I, I, how can I be a disciple and follow Jesus? Like, what if, what if, what, what if, what, what, if yeah. what if he wants me to do this? What if he wants me to sell my house? Uh-huh. You know, I was. What I was, if he wants me to go to an alpha course? I was. Ra- I just don't know if I'm ready. I was radically, radically trusting you know, I can't help it. I like this part too, just following your master by living a sacramental life. I mean, it really, it really isn't this overly complicated. Like we like to make it, it is, it isn't just blindly following. It's also, he has a map that we can put into action and that is living that sacramental life. So attending mass on a regular basis, going to confession on a regular basis. I mean, Jesus established these sacraments to have the spiritual things in our life be tangible to us because we are a people of our, you know, of our senses, right? So if you want to have skin in the game and put things into action, that's like the best way to do it if you live that sacramental life. And, and that you... goes back to the things that I was talking about in, in number two about unforgiveness and surrender. Right. That if you haven't been to confession and you're holding on to all this guilt or all this shame or all these things, you can't love the way that you're called to love unconditionally if you're in a state of grace, if you're not in a state of grace or you're mm-hmm. you're holding on to resentment. Because we know that these, these feelings of shame and resentment just put up those walls. And if you want to be a disciple, you have to be intimate with God. You have to be open and honest with God. And especially that starts in if you're, you know, in, in a, not in a state of grace, going to confession and telling God, like, look, this is what it is. I'm a sinner. I messed up. Mm-hmm. Have mercy on me. I'm going to try my best to not even put myself in the near occasion of sin. Mm-hmm. And by your grace that I can do that. And the more that I cooperate with that grace, the more I'm able to, to do these things. And that grace gets poured out in. It's just like, you know the chocolate milk analogy where where okay you can go to mass every sunday and you can go to confession you know once you know every you know twice a year that's fine and then keep going back to every sunday and then you just come back to sunday it's like the chocolate milk it's like if you just took the hershey's chocolate milk and you just squirt it in there and then you just squirt it in there every week and squirt it in there but if you don't actively stir that into you know, you just the, have something just, just settling it's at just the bottom. Settling it's, at the bottom. It's, it's like, gross. yeah, the, the, the grace is still going to be there. The 
Jesus is still going to be president there. Active participation. Active participation and cooperation. Not a spectator sport. We need to be participating. We need to have action. We are called. We have to answer back. We have to accept the call. We have to live something. So living the sacramental life, for me, has been the biggest impact on me. Other Mm than uh, Sundays, you know, I started slowly. It's like, it wasn't enough for me. I have a lot of residue and a lot of, I was in the world for, you know, 27 years. So I have a lot of bad habits of just way that I live my life and how I dealt and treated people and how, you know, I was very selfish and really quick tempered and really all these things. And not all those things went away. So Sunday wasn't enough. Like I said, it was one, you got to give one hour out of 168 to God, the other 167, watch out. You know, so it's like the more the more grace you pull it in, and you're actively yeah. stirring it. So the more of that grace right. and those sacraments that you put in, and if you're you're trying to swirl it, the more mm-hmm. the more you're gonna get. The more you put in, the more it's like. Right. So I started to go, uh, and about, that's where that comes from. Of the, to someone who has more, more will be given. Right. Like the more you 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 put in, the more graces you get. The more it just keeps abounding. It keeps it. So, piling up. So for me, it was like okay. Well, by Wednesday, I'm ready to choke somebody. That's how I felt. That's how I still feel. So I started going on Wednesday mornings before work. So I, that w- would help. I'm like, okay. How many years did you do that Wednesday like thing? Four, was it? Three or four years okay. on Wednesdays. I know it started with a Lent. Most things do. It's like, I'm going to try to pick up this habit, this new thing. And then it becomes a habit after those 40 days. And it, and I, I believe it started that way, right? Yeah. I, I'm th- pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. And then it... Uh, you know, because Sunday, I'm like, okay, I got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday's about half. It's about the halfway point. Mm-hmm. So I need a, I need some great, I need some me, some Jesus. In, okay. In my, in, yeah. in, you know, in a, in a tangible, real way, and it's just different because on Sundays for me, it's like you know, we're chasing kids, kids. and you know, so it's really hard to. Fo- it's a lot of hard. It's You're hard trying to, to teach your kids. Um, what they need to do during mass yeah. too. It's not just. It's uh, just different. So it was yeah. just a totally different experience. I'm like, wow, okay, this is, I'm really getting a lot out of it because it's really, it's really different. It's you know, it's only 25, 30 minutes, and it's just, it was just really. I, it's what I needed. So I, so fast forward now for the last month's year, I've been going every day basically, and it's it's like man, it's like I like when I don't go, I can feel like. I need the grace, and the more mm-hmm. I put in there, the the because I feel a hundred. I feel like ten times better. It's just mm-hmm. crazy to, you know. And it's not that much effort or time, Mm-mm. or it doesn't make me any Especially much better. But this has been a process. But but as far as that, so so what if you're busy and you can't go, and you know, I'm lucky enough where I have an, you know, I go before work. I mean, our our parish has, you know, three times a week. If you know, five thirty for, you know, most parishes don't accommodate people who are working it's mostly set up for retired and elderly type people it's like they have it at eight nine o'clock okay well most well, people work the monastery has a 6 a.m well it's a monastery because they have seven eight priests yeah, there they can do it but most parishes don't see so that's what our parish they're intentional about trying to have people be intentional it's right. like okay well yes we, like we're we, not going to ask you they have to do both something though. if we're not but they have a lot of the, they'll, they'll mm-hmm. you know they'd have a morning mass because you can go anywhere for a morning mass, but not too many places have a daily mass that's after five o'clock when yeah. people get off of work. Right. So if you want younger people to be to go deeper into their faith, the right. best way would be to offer other times, and that goes the same with confession. Well, we yeah we do confession Saturdays from three to four. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Other than that, sol. You yeah. know, it's like, well, it's like. Well, again, monastery is. 
Well, not everyone has a monastery by their house. Yeah. We're blessed enough to have yeah. to have that. You right. know, it's like, but we're also blessed to have multiple times for confession in right. our parish. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also, you know, in the morning on Saturdays they have it right. Tuesdays and Thursdays, I think. And but it's just like you have to make it accessible for people. Right. You know, you know, the, the, the we started going to the monastery a lot more because we found out they had confession during right before during 15, 15 minutes before mass on Sunday. Like right. what better time to go to mass uh, to confession is then right into mass. It's like, yeah. Oh, it's like awesome. Ooh. That's what our church does on Saturday mornings. That's why I like going uh, Saturday. Night. So long story short, more sacraments equals more better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number eight, disciples keep an eye on heaven. I really like this because, um, I feel like our society today, uh, especially in this century, is extremely materialistic like, um, and ignores spirituality, ignores a spiritual component. We, we, we have become, as a, as, a, as a people, way more um, Way more tangible, focused on, tangible, on material, material now. And- the material now. Um, and there's almost a, it's almost like a um, a total ignoring of the of the spiritual uh, component of of humanity. Which actually, if you look at the history of time, that wasn't always the case. Um, most societies, for the majority of time, always acknowledged that spiritual component in all different cultures and all different you know parts of the world. But I feel like our society today is just way more focused on the material than it ever has been in the history of the world. Would you agree with that I def- statement? I definitely would. I mean, the. I think that it's not only just the material. I think that, I think the big, the big part is when, when I, when I, when I wrote that, when I said that it keeps their eyes on heaven is that, that they're only focused on this world. Yeah. Is that, well, th- this is the best example that I have for it, is that the difference between a lot of people who like work in like now versus that, like when you think about the people who made the cathedrals, the bricklayers, the bricklayers. You were never even going to see the end result of that. Right now, the right. Sagrada in Spain, they've been working on it for 300 years. I wow. Think. You know, it's like, but they know that they're, that they're involved in something that is, way bigger than themselves that they're as much as uh, they could be minuscule in their you know hey i'm just laying bricks but no you're mm-hmm. building a cathedral right your your work is focused on and i think was, I was looking for the quote, but i think we're c.s lewis said right now see the c.s lewis or yeah, i think c.s lewis said that when we when you focus on heaven you get earth thrown in if you focus on earth you get neither because when you think about, for example, I, I like the other St. Augustine quote, that if you treat your body like you're going to, treat your body like you're going to live forever and treat oh. your soul like you're going to die tomorrow. Yeah. That's why I have on my arm tattooed, memento mori, mm-hmm. remember your death. Mm-hmm. That I'm to remember that my soul is meant for eternity and I don't know when I'm going to die. Right. It could be tomorrow. Right. And in that case, I need to be in a state of grace. So I need to think to myself, is it worth that? stupid sin that I'm going to do or mm-hmm. not go to this or uh, not go to confession or not whatever maybe do hold on to this grudge not forgive that person right or whatever. that's that's it that's a lot of it those actions those that actions are that are yeah that are doing so much damage to you in the long run not just the long run right now. but to my eternal soul mm-hmm. in you're going to end up in two run. places heaven or hell period end of story mm-hmm. 
You know, it's like or purgatory for a little. Bit. Well, but purgatory is you just still a end rest up in stop. Heaven. You still I know, end up in heaven. heaven. So getting cleaned up. The you know the the issue is okay. So it's like not everything. The, the society is built on eat, drink, and be merry. You know, it's like okay. Well, you know, I always. I, I always kind of joke about this because it's hilarious because I have on my arm tattooed Memento Mori and my brothers and uh, his crew have live every day like it's your last. It's the same thing but said totally different, two different ways. Yeah. One one means like hell, hell with it, whatever. Do whatever you want. Have Get the most fun out of it. I'm going to have the best time ever and I don't care about the consequences. Mm. Mine is... I'm really worried about the consequences. <laughs> and that just juxtaposes how we grew up. My mom would always tell the story, like me and my brothers, like, you know, like we would get into like mischief or whatever, like go TP someone's house or whatever. And I'd be the kid, like I was the older brother, but I'd be at the one like towards the end of the block, like already, like running away because I didn't want to get caught because uh-huh, I was so worried about the, I was always worried about the consequences. Yeah. You know, so it's just like, it's just funny how that tattoos are like, Saying the same, saying, well, trying again, to basically it's, say it's, this, a similar thing, it's, it's but focused. that's what the modern world is. That's is what I'm that trying to say. Live it's, every day like it's your last, like because it's only me. focusing on the material, <clears throat> and then there's no acknowledgement of yes. the spiritual. Is my point. So if, if if it's a complete and utter disregard for any kind of spiritual component to humanity, and we're only focused on our materialism, then you're only living for for today. You're only worried about getting more stuff. You're only getting. More, you know, things, uh, experiences, this, that, because everything, everything revolves around the material and nothing, nothing, the spiritual part of, of us as human beings is ignored. And I'm seeing that as a trend in society all together as a whole in our modern culture. And what, what I was trying to say earlier, that has never really been the case ever in the history of time. Well, Until it's modern a, it's culture. A, yeah, it's a newer phenomenon. That Materialism as being complete focus on it. And would you say that people are happier? No, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> we're, we're seeing so much of a, we're seeing such depression a huge and... influx in anxieties, depression, mental illness. Um, there, There's so much, and I, and I feel like that's because we are obsessed with the materialistic viewpoint of the of the of our we're 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 a body and a soul and we are completely ignoring the soul part that's me that's my personal opinion to our to our detriment to our complete detriment detriment as a society leave leave out christianity and catholicism and let's just say that statement in general we are we are too material we are too focused on the material so the end okay sorry got off my soapbox there but next one well, or do you want just, to keep just yeah, real quick? Sorry, yeah, the, you know that that's the other Augustine quote is that you know we're made for heaven, we're made to be in eternity with God forever. That's the point of our life is mm-hmm. to know, love, serve God, so we can be with Him in eternity. We are literally made for another world. So all these other things that I spent my life trying to fill, which a lot of my family and friends and people are still trying to fill that God-sized hole in their heart with trips with money with how many likes they get with what how big their house is how many square foot their house is how much the next party is how much fun trips which all those things are great when they're not the focus when they're not when when they're the ends when they're the when those are the means to their end their end is pleasure their end is a good time. Their end is status, power, money. Those things ultimately just ask any celebrity, anybody who's ever had money, 
You know, that's the, the, the quotes. Like, I wish every it was a Russell Brand who said, I wish everybody would ha- be rich and famous. And they see that that, that isn't the I think answer. Jim Carrey, too, said both, something like yeah, that. It's both, both of them and both say YouTube that. And Bono. Mm-hmm. YouTube but Bono it, said yeah, that, yeah. Because most people, how, 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 we'll just watch the news. Are the celebrities, are they happy or are they on their <laughs> third divorce and in rehab? Yeah. I mean, that's the majority of them. Yeah. So if it was being rich and powerful, then they would be the happiest people. Does Mark Zuckerberg look like he's really happy or Jeff Bezos? No, no he looks like Dr. Them, Evil. You know? The other one looks like Cyborg. It's like oh my gosh. They're, they're, they're never smiling. Nice. This is supposed to, you're supposed to be but They're not smiling, but my way. point is that they're they're that being the richest people and maybe Elon Musk seems like he's having a lot of fun. He actually seems like he's <laughs> he's trying to he's trying to get to Mars and yeah. you know, he's doing a bunch His of His cool eyes are things. set for outer space. But, um but no, yeah, I think that there's just an acknowledgement. There needs to be an acknowledgement that this is obviously not working. Um, it's 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 to to have this complete and utter focus on the materialism of humanity is to its detriment. That's it. So um, there needs to be some kind of revival of spirituality. Well, I, like the, I like the other part that I, I wrote on there that um, parishioner means pilgrim. That's literally what it means. If you are a parishioner, that means you're a pilgrim. That we are. In a place, this is a temporary home, and that a Our pilgrim is home. someone that's on a journey. On a journey, they're not that we're moving towards heaven. Yeah, and then the last part from uh, Lumen Gentium is uh, the whole human race and all of creation is orientated towards one goal: to be renewed in Christ and to reach completion in Him. Amen. And that if God is love, and love <laughs> is an everlasting exchange of a lover, someone receiving the love, giving it back, and that pure Holy Spirit love between them. And that is what heaven is, is us being united into that loving exchange. But when you completely ignore that, if that's our ultimate goal, my goodness, and we're completely ignoring it as a society, no wonder we have the problems we have. Well, that, so, that you know, 25% of kids from age, you know, of high school kids are on antidepressant and or anxiety. Diagnosed with or diagnosed with anxiety. Or suicides up like 40%. And mm-hmm. all these issues, these existential issues that people are struggling with that they're looking for love all the wrong places Mm -hmm. or or again ignoring any kind of spiritual so that that should be the moral not alpha of this program the the, (laughs) the moral should be that that's it's even more important for us to be a disciple because our brothers and sisters are out there suffering suffering they're out there dying Mm -hmm. they're out there we know where the everlasting water that bubbles up to heaven is at and shame on us that we don't show people where it's at mm-hmm. if that causes us to be ridiculed or causes us to be mm-hmm. uncomfortable. So that, and sometimes I don't say it right. I say like uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. So speaking of discomfort, yes. number nine is disciples carry crosses. Uh, I like the transition there. That was yeah, cool. you like that? The conditions of discipleship, then he said to all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. What? And take up his cross. Plot twist. Daily. Plot twist. (laughs) (laughs) And follow me. Or whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Again, that's the whole whoever has a focus on materialism because it's, you know, you're about the material saving. You're like, okay, anyway. And will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And that's Luke 9 23. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So we have to acknowledge that we're going to be uncomfortable, uncomfortable. We're going to be uncomfortable. That well, suffering that, is it, guaranteed. It, it, yeah, it, it's even a step. Uncomfortable is not even the step. It's like that's step one. 
Step one is being uncomfortable. <laughs> but the, you know what the news flash is? Is that you, you can't get away. You're not getting away from these things either way. You know Whether what, you're a disciple or not, you're not getting away from suffering. You're not going to get away from being ridiculed. That was literally what gonna I was going to say. Life is suffering. So to me, if you're, if you're suffering as a disciple of Christ, you could do it with joy. So, so to me, again, like you said, what are the fruits? Do we see in society people being happier or more miserable, right? They're more miserable. They actually make their crosses heavier because they're, they're carrying them by themselves. And they're not acknowledging that they have a, a, a you know an almighty God that can well, he also lift said, those yeah, his, his yoke is, is, is light. light. It's easy. So, so it's, it's saying carry your cross with me. Like, allow, like there's an acknowledgement that life sucks, that life's going to be difficult. But this if you life, do it, this yes, fallen world, exactly that we live in this fallen world. But if we do it with him and through him, we're, we can do that with joy. It's, it's so counterintuitive, right? It's so, oh, I can't. Well, love is counterintuitive. The, the whole giving you, it's better to give than receive. Right. It's like, oh no, I like to get stuff. But for <laughs> me, I want the biggest present, you know, like our kids. That's the hard thing to teach them. It's all about, well, what, what do I get? What do I get for this? What do I get? What do I get? Yeah. It's like, no, it's not about always about what you get yeah we like to take care of our kids and we like incentives and we like you know to obviously give them good gifts but you know it's easy to spoil somebody it's easy mm-hmm. for them to be brats it's easy to do those things so well it's right it, there just shows that the, the the more you get the more you just want more and you're never satisfied yeah. where when you give is when you feel satisfaction and pure joy so again it's the but carrying your cross remember what the cross where that leads is being crucified you know, carrying a cross wasn't just carry a cross. It's carrying it on the way to Golgotha. It's carrying it to be, hey, you know, he promised that we're going to be persecuted, that that's what's going to so, happen. But it also, in what was that cross, it was sacrificial love. So it's asking you to die to yourself and do things for others, that that's what pure, true love is. And it's the a guaranteed end. way to heaven. And it's yeah, that you are to eternity. die. You are to die to yourself and your own selfishness. Take up a cross and die for somebody else. That's the whole point, right? Like, and to, that's and that's the point of our our podcast and our our. It's like, hey, we're married and we have kids, so we're, we're trying to convey, uh, you know, two different perspectives, convert cradle, and we're trying to to show like, hey, like this is what it looks like practically because it's hard. It's hard to deny yourself. It's hard to, you know, I still, you know, I would always say like, you know, if I'm not for myself, who would be? But if I'm only for myself, who am I? You know, God calls us to love ourselves also. If we don't love ourselves, we can't give what we don't have. Mm -hmm. So it's very important that we need to be able to, you know, as a father in, in a family that, you know, my first, my first step is to love God. Then to take care of Katie and the kids and myself comes third. That's the other thing. Like the, but it doesn't mean third. yourself comes doesn't, never. Doesn't, yeah, it doesn't mean yeah. never. But, mm-hmm. you know, but if you don't re, you know, fill yourself up sometimes and take days off and take mm-hmm. breaks and do things to help rejuvenate ourselves, we can't give away with what we don't have. Yeah. You're going to burn out. But I always like the, the joy. Jesus, others, yourself, in that order. So, you know, I heard, you know, put that on a, a post-it or I am third. Father Larry mm. Richards always says that. Put it on to remind yourself because you have to be reminded because your sinful self says, what's in it for me? Yeah. What do I get? Right. What can I do? But 
the, those ha- well, we talked about the happiest people, these people who are joy filled, the people who are these contagious Christians, these people that you know people are far away and they see you and they they want to maybe learn a little bit more about Jesus or they want to find out about the faith or this and that. It's because it was something about you because it wasn't about yourself. When you're at Alpha and you're talking to other people <laughs> and you're listening to them and you're actually care instead of talking about yourself the whole time like I can end up doing. You know, it's like sometimes it's like, wow, this person really actually does care about what I well, have Mother to say. Teresa was, I probably said this already on a podcast, probably. Mother Teresa was tending to a dying man, never once mentioned Jesus's name, but she knew he was dying. She was taking care of him for a while. And then he said, um, then he said, uh, you know, he, he was dying and she said, can I tell you about Jesus? And he said, well, is he anything like you? Because if that's, if that's. So then, sure, yes, please. So it's it's just, yeah, it's just acknowledging if we are disciples, we are to act a certain way, we are to emulate him, we are to be the Christs in the world well, that and was, live it. That was the other, uh, the, the dagger Mother, Mother Teresa quote was, uh, how sad is it when someone comes to comes to you looking for Jesus and all they see is you? <laughs> yeah, you know, She's good with her one-liners. Well, because so but you know, because people, it, and it does, it, it cuts to your heart because mm-hmm. you know that she was living it. Yeah. So she had the moral authority to say those right. kinds of things because she was doing it, and that the people who came to her and said, "Hey, I want to do what you're doing. I want to move to India." She would always tell them, to "Do what? Go home and love your family." Go home and or love- actually, she didn't say that. I watched the thing because that is misquote a lot. It's more it starts there. Yeah. Like you, you should love others, but if you're not loving the people well, that you're, others is your family and well, start no, it's saying it has home. to start. So that's, but that's a, but that could be a problem too that a lot of people have. They they go on and they love people in the world. They and they kind of neglect loving their family. You um, know, usually on purpose because guess what? It's the, harder. The, the people that are closest to us are the mm-hmm. hardest ones to love. Right. So that's what G- she's G.K. saying. G- that, G.K. That Chesterton said, "Love your uh, love." Why did Jesus tell us to love our our enemies? And love our neighbors, because they're usually the same people. (laughs) Because exactly, the people who piss us off the most are usually the ones that are closer to us. When they got nothing but alpha jokes all night, and you know, (laughs) it's like all they want to do is like just give you hard times. You know, it's like it's like you know, they think they're funny, you know, but they're not, and they're mad about that. I can't help it. All right, we have two more. We still got two more. Uh, All right. Sorry about the length of this podcast. It's extremely long, but this is very important stuff. We're talking about getting to heaven here. That's why we didn't need to talk about Alpha for a half hour. Okay, so uh, just had to throw that in there. Disciples spend time in prayer. In Alpha? In Alpha (laughs) and in prayer. Um, Uh, So remember that if, if you're going to take on someone's discipline, if you're going to follow them, if you're going to be um, uh, someone who emulates their life, you need to like have a relationship with them and talk to them in order for that to happen. And that's all prayer is, is a conversation with God. It's, if you're going to be a disciple of Christ, talk to them. So there could be and if you want to have, what do they say? How, how do you spell love? T-I-M-E. Oh, oh. Excuse me. So, you know, how, how, you know, and that goes directly to, you know, 
you want to be in a relationship is usually how much time you spend. Like, right. Especially when you get into like a new relationship with somebody. It's like, I want to talk to them on the phone. I want to know all about them. Like, tell me about your day. Well, even. I want to hear. I mean, even yes, us. Even, even I care about um, still like yeah. how your day went. So yeah. when you get home, I'm like, well, tell me about your day. When we do that high-low buffalo. We'll at, do your high-low yeah. buffalo. Like, hey, but how was your day? How was this? Let's, but, let's but that's leave hab- the relationship thing aside, though, and let's go back to the baseball player analogy. And I want to, I, I see this, I, 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 I'm a baseball player and I see this amazing baseball player and I want to train like he trains, right? I want to be what he is. I have to spend time with him. How do I train like he trains if I don't ask him how he trains? How do I... I have to obviously still... How can still, I be an imitator if I'm not even... How can I be an even, imitator if I'm not spending time with him? you're not even a spectator. You have to Ex- first be a spectator exactly. to watch so, so before you get on the field. You got to... You, you know, still some, need to spend have, to time having a conversation with the person that you want to train under, even if it's it's that simple. We don't even need to have the loving relationship. It still needs to be a, some time spent in conversation. How how do you want me to pitch? Like how do you want me to throw? How do you want me to put my my legs? My you know whatever. Like if if you're training underneath someone, there needs to be a dialogue. Period. Whether well, it's a you know, and that does eventually become. What a do you think the number one reason why people who are Catholic don't spend time, or Christian in general, don't pray as much as they should? Oh my gosh, busyness! Busyness is the. I mean, that's. I my understand reason. that their people are busy, but what? But what? Why? We're bu- we're busy. You're busy doing other things. Why are those things being prioritized other than spending? Just say, like the one percent challenge. Because F- fifteen again, minute, fifteen minutes a day. Because again, we are so preoccupied with the material that we completely ignore the spiritual. We are preoccupied with our to-do list. I got to get this done. That's in front of me. My house that needs to be clean and the laundry that needs to be folded and the, the and the, the the different tasks that I have to do. Those are tangible things that are right in front of me that I have to get done. Spiritual is something I don't see and something I can't ignore. So to me, my busyness is in the material because it's something I can experience with my senses. And that's why sacraments exist, because we are so in our senses that we can, it's where the spiritual meets the tangible. That's why it's so important, because we have that important. fixation on it. I get it. I'm just, I mean... I, are you I, trying I, to, add, like, a, do you have the answer or something? Is that I what do, you were I, I just know what I do. I don't have the answer per mm. se. It's, as much as... You know what I would say to somebody who says, "Well, I'm just so busy, and I got these things to do." I would just say, "Well, if you're making a list, can you just throw 15 minutes in somewhere in there?" We have 24 hours in a day. You get eight at work, eight to sleep. So there's another eight somewhere in there. Eight hours of free time, basically. Yeah, but when you have kids, you feel like you already don't have time in the day to do the stuff. But it also goes back to the average person watches four hours a day of television. I don't. And I feel like I, I don't have you enough don't. time in the day I to do the things don't. that I... I'm just saying that that, to me, is... That's my, my reason but my, I don't spend. But my point is is that... I guess this is what my point is. People who don't pray, there's usually a reason why. They don't have time. Yeah, but what's the basis They don't have time, Alex. Um, <laughs> not time. Sometimes there is time, but sometimes people don't want to do the things that are uncomfortable because God sometimes tells people things that they don't want to hear. And things that they should do and that they don't want to do, or sometimes he also just wants to talk to them. It might, it might also, yeah, be um, avoidance. avoidance so, sometimes, sometimes I know for myself, it's uncomfortable yeah. when I get in prayer. I'm like, all right, God, I guess it's like I, I know that this is what He wants me to do, and I'm avoiding it. Mm-hmm. 
I think that people are spazzes most of the time and they can't sit still. To, for me, from my yeah, experience, yeah, that, that's one just, for sure. Just, because again, just take we're five, busy. Just take five. <laughs> we're next busy. time you're out somewhere, okay, you're busy. I'm saying all of Americans you're, are busy. Okay, okay. For example, anywhere you go, where people aren't busy, what are they doing? They're on their phone. Okay, so is that busy? That's keeping busy. That's my point. We're, okay, we're, so we're my my point my point my point is is that being busy. To me, when all these people say they're busy, it's like people on a on a rocking chair going back and forth, saying that they're busy, but they're not going anywhere at all. They're just going back and forth. My point is, I'm not saying it's good busyness. I didn't say it was good or bad. My point is, is that they're not really busy. They're just busy being busy. Yes. So I, at the end of the day, the average American has plenty enough time, even in the busy. Oh, I agree. I'm. I'm. I'm not. I'm, I'm saying not, I that know you're not arguing where... with me. I'm just trying to refute any argument that I'm too busy because 15 minutes is uh, a disciple should be able to put at least 15 minutes in. You know, Fulton Sheen and everyone else is do your holy hour every day. That's a little unrealistic for most people. An hour is a lot. Mm, yeah. But 1% of your day, 15 <laughs> minutes. Right. That's, you know, half an office episode. That's half a Roseanne. That's half of. <laughs> that's half. He's only saying that because I've been watching Roseanne on well, Peacock that's lately. The first season's the best, but, 1988. But if we wait to the end of the night, yeah. usually we don't. No, so yeah, start our me. day. Morning and, for me, for sure. Exactly. Do the do the morning stuff. Yep. The point is, is that we're not too busy to forgot. No, we're not. But I'm we saying everything that's the reason. You, your question minutes. was, why do you why think do, most people don't? And I said because they're caught and, up in their and business. My, and my, my answer and what I was trying to say was because they're, they're busy in themselves because they're avoiding it. Just like anything else. Okay, like the conversation that you're supposed to have, you'll find 10 other things that, or, or the paper that you're supposed to write or this thing you're supposed to do, you'll do 10 other things. Oh, or the gym. Think about like people going you'll to the gym. You're going to find things. the reason why you don't go yeah, to the gym. No, anything you, that you're supposed to no, do. When you're sitting there, it's like, oh, next thing you know, you're in the computer just watching YouTube videos. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm supposed to be writing this paper. It's like, <laughs> next thing you know, I'm like knee deep in cat videos or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's like cat videos. But you know what I mean? It's yeah. like a lot for me, from my experience, I'm not just talking about it with other people because I know myself. It's like, oh, yeah, I got things to do. I can do this. And instead of, and what was it? Saint was it uh, Saint Francis the Sales or was it Saint Francis Xavier? One of them who said that most people need a half hour of prayer unless you're busy. Then you need an hour because everything that we give to God, even in our busyness, He multiplies it. Mm-hmm. Our time, if we give Him our time, our best, our first fruits, God finds a way to multiply it. Because not only does he just, he doesn't just magically make 25 hours in a day, but he makes those hours matter. He makes us maybe more focused. I agree with that. I've noticed that when I start my my day in a really good prayer time, an intentional prayer time, and that was long, um, in, a, in a, you know, like longer than normal, the rest of my day, I feel like I don't have a time crunch, which is interesting, which you would think would be the opposite. Well, because you, know? you know what God wants. God wants us to be in heaven with him and heaven there is no time there is no time and and God's if you and if you and if you stop and think for 2 seconds about the times that you were the happiest or the most joyous in your life are the times when it seemed like time stood still oh so my point is is that most of the time it's a, sometimes subconscious sometimes not avoidance it is being in a conversation with God is thought-provoking. It's thought-persuading. It's 
Sometimes condemnation. Sometimes it's it's persuasion. Sometimes it's guilt and shame. Sometimes it's feeling bad. Sometimes it's reflecting on the things, the sins of yeah. omission and right. commission. And it really sometimes makes people feel bad because we know what we're supposed to do because people can busy themselves with their iPhones and their mm-hmm. schedules and their to-do lists, but eventually the noise stops yeah. and you go lay down at night and you put your head on the bed and guess what? Your conscience talks to you. God mm-hmm. will speak to you and he'll say, but you didn't do that. Mm-hmm. You didn't do what I was asking you to do and it's been on your heart and you can run and run and run and run, but mm-hmm. you can't get away from me. You can't get away from yourself and these feelings that you have. You can try to run or use alcohol or gambling or drugs or whatever it may be to try to mask that, but you're not getting away from it. Right. So right. More, 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 from my experience, it's avoidance. So, so this might be a two-parter because in all honesty, this last one is disciples make other disciples and that's missionary discipleship, well, which is what you wanted to get to. And that's, we're on... Um, now you're like, that's where I was going to try to lead it into a whole nother episode. We're going to talk about what does it mean to be a missionary disciples? What does it look like to mm-hmm. actually, how do we actually make, this is how we become disciples and things that we do. These are marks of disciples. Mm-hmm. Now, how can we share that? And it's not going to be the Alpha program, I promise. It's not going to be another episode on Alpha. <laughs> so it'll be discipling well, well, here's a good, others. Well, here's a good thing that I read from, um, it goes back to um, Divine Renovation, who's the book, who suggested using Alpha. <laughs> Listen, I was not hating That's on fine. I, I, you can make fun of me. That's fine. I was just using it as a, a storytelling technique. You know, some of us... A storytelling technique? About my experience. I was oh. like, through Alpha, this happened to be this great program. Mm. Okay, jeez. Mm. So somebody... The, now, when we started the show off talking about, well, what does it practically look like? What, is some, what does a disciple look like? How would you know if you're a disciple or not? These are the marks. But these are some like... Real quick kind of things, and these kind of go with the marks, but this is what uh, Father Mallon and his uh, Divine Renovation, uh, this is actually the guidebook, and it's actually in his uh, thir- their third book, Beyond the Parish, but this is also in here. It says, this is uh, what a disciple looks like practically. Has a personal relationship with Jesus. So, you know, our Protestant brothers and sisters, they always say, is, is you know, I got a personal relationship with Jesus. And you say that to most Catholics, they're like, well, I don't know. I don't know if I do. I do. I have a personal relationship with Jesus. <laughs> Actually, the answer is in the last Gallup was uh, only forty percent of Catholics think that they can have a personal relationship with God. Really, forty that's very sad. Four zero. So sixty percent don't think that that's even possible. Wow. That we don't have access to having a relationship with Jesus, and that. And that's literally what heaven is. That's literally what our <laughs> faith is all about. So. Okay. So so we got a lot of work to do. That's why I thought, mm. why not Alpha. <laughs> so second one can and does share faith with others this will be our next podcast mm-hmm. on mission missionary disciples unless we have a guest our guest is we're gonna have to figure out what the next time uh, we have a deacon deacon chris who's gonna come on who does a prison ministry he's coming on but we gotta rearrange the time and see so our next one may be on missionary disciples or may be a guest but we'll be the next one if it's just us the other one would be is open to the gifts of the holy spirit which are you said what they were earlier. Fruit. We did a whole episode on that. Yeah, um, joy, joy, peace, peace understanding, love, uh, patience, ge- kindness, generosity, faithfulness. Did I already say gentleness and self-control? So the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Oh, so a lot of people 
are kind of scared of the Holy Spirit sometimes because the Holy Spirit also pushes us to want to do things that are, you know... Uncomfortable. That's what the comforter does. He mm-hmm. wants to... He wants to help us in those situations. Wants so, to make you uncomfortable so he can comfort you. Well, well, especially, well, no, so we can help I know, I know. other people. I know, We're I called know. to be uncomfortable so other people, the stranger, those who are outside the church, can be fe- comfortable. can be comfortable. You're right. So then, then in turn, we can make them uncomfortable. <laughs> it's a vicious cycle. It's a vicious, it's a vicious cycle. Cycle. This discipleship. I, I actually would call it a divine tension. Oh, that's what I would call it. So. Has knowledge and love of scripture, so we got into that some. Knows basic theology, that's Learning. learners. Mm-hmm. So read your catechism, read good spiritual books. If you read the Bible. if uh, you have uh, any questions on some of the best books to read, feel free to email us or hit us on the Catholic Couple Instagram. We also did an episode on um, our favorite like medias and, and, so and influencers. Go check those out because sense, yeah. you should definitely be getting... Uh, into some spiritual reading, some good authors, and, and to, to try to go deeper in your faith that really helps. Has a daily prayer life we just touched on. Experiences real Christian community. And that starts where? In small groups? Just, I wonder if there's a program, there's that, a program that fosters small, small groups, groups. I don't know. and, and I allows think something about beta. Have... Was it beta? <laughs> might have been beta. You're stupid. No, but the, the good line that... Uh, I think it's Omega. I think what <laughs> Father Malin said is that what was the line? It was something like we, um, we, what does it say? We worship in rows and grow in circles. Ooh. So we come to church, you know, most, most churches are, you know, back to front to, to the altar. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the newer, par- some of the newer parishes are kind of circular. Um, but, uh, where the, the growth comes is, is in a real community where we can share our faith. We can, get to know each other, be in small groups, talk about things of spiritual, to, to love each other, to show hospitality and to grow. Uh, so being in a, you know, some kind of a ministry, some kind of a small group, everyone should be in a small group, mm-hmm. you know, whether that's a book club on Christian books or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a pro-life group or a social, ju- whatever it may be, has a commitment at least to su- the Sunday Eucharist. Celebrates sacrament of reconciliation. We touched on that. Can pray spontaneously out loud when asked. I thought that was a unique one. Most Catholics, if you ask them to pray out loud, it would be what? Our, like a like a rote prayer. A rote prayer. And our Father, Hail yeah. Mary, Glory be, uh, which, which is good. And all, but sometimes um, we're called to speak from our heart. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. hey, this is being docile to the Holy Spirit and to God. This what it says in Romans chapter five that. We don't know how to pray as we ought. So by invoking and being open to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is teach us how to pray, mm-hmm. will help us pray. So, you know, before we pray a lot, we always say, come Holy Spirit. And we're asking God to guide our prayers that because we don't know how to pray as we ought. So guide uh, the Holy Spirit helps guide our words. So, so praying out loud and not being, you know, nervous, who's, you know, it, it is kind of nerve-wracking at first, but the more you practice it, the better, you know. So maybe oh, you mean to, like being uncomfortable? Yeah, sometimes you should just be out there. Mm-hmm. Serves in a ministry, so like I, I just touched on, you know, be in some kind of a group to serve, mm-hmm. to make your life as a gift that that you know, carrying your cross and helping other people, and you know, being third. We touched on that. Sees his or her life as a mission field. 
And that would be the next That would be the next episode. episode. And, and what I found that was really good that he touched on in his latest book is that there and this is, is Father James Mallon. Father James Mallon. So Divine Renovation. We'll put this in the show notes. So yeah, uh, the Alpha book, the uh, Divine Renovation, um, and there, there's the one with Ron Huntley, which is Unlocking Your Parish through Alpha. And the third book is Beyond the Parish, uh, Divine Renovation, Father James Mallon. But what he, in this th- third book, he expounds on the fact that there is this divine tension between holiness and mission. That we are called to go out, but to bring back in. We are called to be, our, our lives are a gift, but we can't give what we don't have. We are called to be holy, which means set apart. And we are to have that vertical relationship with God. And at the same time, the cross side to side with our neighbors and that we are to, should take it personal that our brothers and sisters, like it talks about in Corinthians, that, that when one part of the body is messed up or out is that the whole body suffers and that it should pain us that our family members, that our, all, how many of our friends and family aren't in the pews with us and that their eternal souls are in jeopardy because their lifestyles and what they're doing and we know that they're not happy, that that should break our hearts enough that we should sometimes... Shreds mine. That we should... Uh, you know, put ourselves out there to 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 be uncomfortable to make them feel at home. So hopefully you got something out of this long, very long episode. I mean, this is like super long episode. That's all right, right? Yeah, People can pause it and get back to it. I guess. Listen to it in a few days. <laughs> yeah, so. All right. You want to end in prayer? Yeah, we can. Um, yeah, so. Next one's going to be a missionary disciple. So if you guys could, I would appreciate to get this message out because discipleship is the most important thing. And that's why this podcast so, is that's so why long. Because this so isn't long. just a discipleship podcast. It is a uh, a plug for the Alpha program as well. So Nikki Gumbel, thank you for sponsoring this episode of The Catholic Couple. And um, and uh, Katie's part-time stand-up comedian job <laughs> because she's, she's beating this joke like... Uh, <laughs> Like a dead horse, so. Oh. Was that More beating? Like a rug. Beating. Like a rug. Beating the dead horse. All right, let's pray. Uh, so, in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, glory be to the Father, Father and, and to the, the Son and, and to, to the, the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit, as it was in the beginning, beginning is now, now and ever shall be, world, world without end. end. Amen. In the name of the Father. Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. You know, I thought you were going to do a spontaneous prayer there. Well, as just a for disciple. that, just for that, I'm going to do one. <laughs> Father in heaven, we thank you for this beautiful long podcast. I thank you for the gift of Katie's sense of humor. I thank you for the gift of marriage. We thank you for the the opportunity to be able to to talk about why it's important to be a disciple. And we ask that you help us grow in our faith to be more loving, to be more giving, and more charitable. Help us to be disciples and make disciples. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Have a good night, everybody.